0: All right, let's get it going on this Wednesday live from the drivehuber.com studios. It's the wake-up call right here on The Fan. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dighton producing today's effort. A busy, busy show. Stephen Holder will join us coming up at 8 o'clock. Timely with the Jonathan Taylor injury. Will Carroll, our injury expert, at 8.30. A little Pacers in the 9 o'clock hour. Jonathan Taylor, surgery today. And no doubt we'll react. We know who the Pacers will be facing in the in-season tournament. We'll dive into that and tons more today as we got you up until 10 o'clock. Kevin, good morning. How are you today, sir? Is there an element of why can't we have nice things? Is that what Colts fans it, felt? Is there an element? That's all I've been hearing for the last twenty hours. Yes, I would say that's the lead narrative with Jonathan Taylor's injury. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Uh, it,
1: it really is. It, and again, you know, I think any time it's like, oh, it's a thumb, you know, it's just just, just a thumb. wrap it up, yeah. and he can play with it. <laughs> he played through it on Sunday <laughs> afternoon. I think there's some questions about when that injury might have occurred. It sounds like it was more. More of a first-quarter injury. We'll, we'll play some audio here coming up in a few minutes. Uh, kind of provide some background upon that. Uh, but yes, the report last night uh, from Jim Merce to The Athletic and James Boyd. Um, surgery today in L.A. for
0: uh, Jonathan Taylor. I guess L.A. is where you
1: go for all the surgeries, right? Well,
0: it's a good trip out there, I guess. Yeah, there, is there no one in the Midwest? I, I do always think that, but you want them to have the best care. Yeah, You want them to have the best care. What a gut punch. And the hope... Um,
1: and I do think that is the key word here, as Jim Mersey said to James Boyd. The hope is two to three weeks, uh, and whether it was you know J- James or Stephen Holder or Ian Rappaport, uh, they all mentioned that you know injured reserve is not something that's been totally taken off the table just yet. And again, injured reserve would mean a minimum of four weeks. Um, if you look at the next three weeks, Andy, it's Tennessee. It's Cincinnati, and it's Pittsburgh. And the one bummer, on top of everything, obviously losing Jonathan Taylor for any amount of time is obviously a bummer. But the one bummer in that, Andy, is those are three conference games. And those games matter more. Like, if you're going to rank, and this is the time of the year where you know I get into the nerdy analytic stuff of like, okay, which games matter more? And if you look at the rest of the schedule, that game against Atlanta—they play right. Atlanta on Christmas. That's the game that matters the least. It's the only out of N- all of Yeah, them. it's the
0: only NFC game they
1: have left because tiebreakers involve AFC records mostly. Obviously, when you look at teams like Cincinnati and Pittsburgh on the horizon, those two teams are right there squarely with you in the wildcard picture. So I think that kind of adds a layer to this of unfortunate news in that if you look at the rest of the season, six games to go. That Pittsburgh game, based off the playoff odds, it's the second most important game the rest of the year. Tennessee is up there as well. Cincinnati's up there. But Pittsburgh is just behind Houston as the second most important game. I'm looking forward to having Will Carroll on at 830 because, again, I think there are a lot of questions. Sounds like it is in the right hand. Is this strictly a ball security, lack of confidence thing? Um, Is it ligament? Is it bone? By all accounts, this hand doctor, Stephen Shin, is like the guy. I mean, Mike Trout and Drew Brees and Steph Curry. I mean, everybody has gone to him. Uh, But, yes, just a total uh, kick in the you-know-what again for this Colt season. Just when Jonathan Taylor had his, in my opinion, his best game of the season.
0: Well, I mean, that's what it is. Uh, No, when the news came down... It's, I'm sorry. There's no other way to say it other than a gut punch. And I immediately, I immediately get on Twitter, X, which is the thing you do when things happen. And, you know, I don't want to say it's woe is me for the Colts, but it's here we go again. It's something else. And I agree with you. I know you wrote it on the website 1075thefan.com. And uh, it's how I feel as well that, you know, Jonathan Taylor I I just really feel like was getting his footing even more, right? Like, it took him a couple games. They got him acclimated, and then he was playing well. And then, I don't know, to me, he started to look like the patient, seeing holes that other guys aren't going to see. Yeah, turning three into
1: 13. Exactly. And
0: you started to see, really started to see some of that on Sunday. And for him to go down, and this is, you know, this is the question. It's for you. It's for me. It's for Mark. It's for everybody. it's for for every fan and we don't know the answer we're going to have to wait around the next few games but I I, you know it hurts their playoff chances sure I don't know how much it hurts their playoff chances Zach Moss is a quality player and just quickly on Moss this is one reason why I said back around Halloween that you don't trade Zach Moss is because you can't count on any NFL player to stay healthy it's the it's a collision sport right Uh, it, it is you are taking Hits consistently, and it doesn't have to be a massive injury where you have a surgery like an Anthony Richardson or a knee or an Achilles or something like that. It can be a two or three week injury, And, and you're right. I mean. I mean, Ursae, We hope it's you know. We hope it's two to three weeks. I mean, IR will put you at four weeks. IR would make you make you think if it even plays again this season, right? Yeah. You uh, if you don't win enough, yeah. If you don't win enough games, the last game or two, uh, you're gonna hold them out. You're gonna play them. Zach Moss still there, uh, but now they are thin at running back. What do they do? And uh, you know, it's just to me, it's just an extreme bummer for a team that hey, listen, they're to the point. And this is where the Colts are. Can be there to the point to where you can go and make a run at this thing and with Jonathan Taylor out, it raises the probability of you not making the playoffs and also not having a high draft pick. It does. Yeah, And it, that's what's frustrating.
1: Yeah, purgatory obviously and in my opinion purgatory is hell when it comes to the NFL and drafting kind of in the middle uh, of a round. Uh, having said that, um I think a couple things stand out. Running back, to me, Andy, will always be one of, if not the most replaceable position on a football team. Uh, But that would be a total disservice to not provide context. Make that statement and then just move on. Sure. Because Jonathan Taylor is different. And, you know, it, it was funny. Exiting Sunday, I sat there in the press box and I'm writing my story and getting ready to post a video. Um, to 107.5 The Fan, I'm thinking to myself, that felt like Taylor's best game of the season. But it's hard for me to like back that up with real hardcore evidence. I'm like, 15 carries for 91 yards. Like, right, it it right. wasn't his season high, if you want to get technical. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, damn. I, I would like to kind of back it up with more than just my opinion states that I thought Taylor had his best game of the well, you season. A, you had
0: a gut feeling. When you were at yeah, Lucas Oil, you had a gut feeling. told me right. that. You're like, he did a couple, you know, the jump cuts and the patience. He did things that made you say, okay, this is the guy that we paid all this money to. Right. And, but I
1: wanted a little bit more, and so— Monday rolls around, and I say the same thing, you know, what, 48 hours ago on our show. And I get to Monday afternoon, and I start, you know, kind of going through my Monday routine. And there is an NFL stats website called Next Gen Stats. I think some fans have come across it. You'll see those stats flashed up at different points during a game. And one of the stats they have for running backs is rushing yards over expectation. So the expectation is the play's been blocked and you're supposed to get X amount of yards, and then they obviously break down how many yards you get on that play, and then over the course of the game they create a percentage of, okay, how many yards did you get over the expectation. Uh, For week 13 or week 12, whatever it just was, Taylor had the second highest in the NFL of any player, and so that to me kind of reinforced the All right. What was blocked for him, if it was Trey Sermon, or hell, even if it was Zach Moss, Mm -hmm. and and Moss had a nice game on Sunday, but even if it was Moss, he's not getting 15 for 91 in that game. So. It's a replaceable position, and guys come off the streets, and you've done it in fantasy football, and we've seen Jonathan Williams do it here in Indianapolis, and they can produce. But again, it's not a guarantee, and Taylor obviously gives you more of the home run ability, more of the you know kind of make you miss in the open field sort of thing. And I think him and Moss as a duo, you like that. You like keeping that guy fresh. Uh, Moss has had a really nice season, but if you look at the numbers, Moss with Gardner Minshew has been a different runner than Moss was with Anthony Richardson. Sure. I go back to the Tennessee game, and obviously it's a rematch coming up on Sunday, but Andy, remember the Zach Moss big touchdown run against Tennessee. Right up the middle on a third and one, you know, scampers for whatever it was, 55 yards, 60 yards, and when we went back and looked at that play, you had two Tennessee defenders account for Anthony Richardson's legs on a third and one, thinking Richardson was going to keep it. Moss is right at the gut, and boom, Richardson's presence is a huge reason why Moss busts that one. That's no longer there. So again, how effective does he look over four quarters without Richardson? You go back to the Baltimore game, and Moss had a really nice game without Richardson, but if you look at the overall sample size, he hasn't been as effective with Gardner as the starter. So Obviously, ton to break down with this, like you said, Stephen Holder to provide some more clarity, and then I think with anything medical-wise, um, I look forward to having Will Carroll on. At eight thirty for that good Wednesday morning to you out there. I don't think I was hey We well, got so we'll
0: tell the people good morning. We gotta right uh, into it. It might get to forty degrees today, so there you go. This is one of oh, those so cold you know, out.
1: news days where it's like, yeah, we're
0: just gonna <laughs> hop right to hell with your good morning. Into Move it, it out
1: of the way uh, as we close out the month of November. Yes, good morning to everyone out there. Thank you for tuning in. It is supposed to be a hair warmer today in the Circle City. Uh, and, and outside of the Jonathan Taylor news, we'll get to a little Pacers and uh, Purdue. A near triple-double last night for the Westfield product in Braden Smith.
0: Yeah, Purdue winners uh, watched a ton of college basketball last night. And we know the Pacers will be facing the Boston Celtics on what, Monday or Tuesday? Uh, so if Monday, you ca- right? Yeah, I think it's Monday. 7.30 Monday. So if you care about such things, Celtics, Pacers, Monday, Knicks at Bucks, Suns at Lakers, what, Pelicans at Kings, I believe. Those are the four games uh, uh, that will round out the in-season tournament. I'm excited about it. Could so. I throw a date at you? Yeah, throw a date at me. Do whatever you want. April 21st, 2019. Okay, April 21st, 2019. That is the last time
1: the Pacers inside of GameBridge Fieldhouse have hosted a playoff game. I, I don't want. I want to keep Monday in perspective, Andy. It's not a playoff game but it's probably the closest thing that this franchise this fan base certainly numerous guys on that basketball team have experienced to it I think it'll be a great atmosphere uh, obviously Boston Indiana you know there's a little bit of something there oh sure certainly what they did to you a few weeks back sure even without Tyrese Halliburton in the lineup that game is on TNT and again Halliburton's made it very clear you know earning the national television games is what he wants mm-hmm. he want what he wants to experience um, and I think it's it's an important step. Again, I'm not going to blow it out of proportion and act like Pacers win the in-season tournament. You know, start the parade down Georgia Street. But for a team that is not used to winning, and, and look, I mean, look at the players. None of these guys have really won anything of substance outside of Bruce Brown. You want to experience these sorts of atmospheres, games, the fan base, I think. And they played well in these type well. of games. Yeah, yeah, that is a great point. They yeah. played much better. Whether at home or on the road, they played well in these atmospheres. With that in-season tournament label on those games. So Monday, 7.30, that will be Boston inside of GameBridge Fieldhouse. You win that. You head to Vegas for the semifinal against either Milwaukee or New York, and that would be Thursday, a week from Thursday. So, again, travel to Miami. For Thursday and Saturday this week, then nothing until Monday, and then the schedule a little bit up in Boy. the air.
0: Boy, it picks the up, the KB. It uh, does. I mean, the, uh, <laughs> the easy teams
1: are out of the way. It picks and up. And that's the lone home game. Monday right. against Boston is the lone home game between now and I think it's December 18th, if I'm not mistaken on that. So it is a long time away from home outside of this you know, quarterfinal game that they will have monday at 7 Yeah, paul george
0: and company coming in town uh monday december 18th so there you go you get everyone can go get their paul george autographs <laughs> i
1: do in a few um maybe on the other side maybe at seven thirty. again want to provide a little context around when the jonathan taylor injury might have occurred because uh, andy it was not reported during the game that by the team that he was hurt dealing with an injury i mean you hear it all the time you know X players questionable to return with said injury. Shane Sykin, one of the first things he said at the post-game podium uh, after the game on Sunday was, no injuries. Um, But I I think there is a little context around when this injury could have occurred. You know, was this adrenaline Taylor getting through the game? Et cetera, et cetera. So we'll do uh, that here in a few minutes. Again, good Wednesday morning to everybody out there. Thank you for spending it with us. I'm Kevin Bowen. He is Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton is with us. As always, you're listening to The Wake Up Call with KB and Andy right here on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan.
2: The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
0: All right, Stephen Holder going to join us coming up uh, in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll talk Colts with him, and obviously we'll talk a ton about the thumb injury. Uh, Now, has it been widely reported, KB, that that is on the right hand? Or is that just the best guesstimate that we have?
1: It is not, but again, we're going to play some audio coming up here in a few minutes, which indicated from the game uh, that his right hand was the one getting getting taped. Uh, So yeah, we'll play that uh, coming up here. And you know, when you watch Taylor run, Andy you can kind of see him hearing the ball in both hands. Like, yes, right. I mean, he is right-handed, but I don't think there's necessarily a dominant, no. dominant hand. He had
0: such a solid game. It wasn't something uh, that obviously that we were looking at, but when you hear the sound, it's going to make sense with what happened uh, during the game. So this broke, what, about 11 o'clock or so yesterday. Uh, Jim Bob Cooter still did meet with the media. Obviously, was asked about Jonathan Taylor.
3: I'm going to defer all all injury questions to Coach Steichen. I know you guys talk to him, uh, I think, tomorrow. I'll, I'll, I'll defer there, but uh, I will say that uh, the running back room, you guys asked me last week, those guys have been playing really good ball. Zach Moss has played really good ball, JT's been playing really good ball. Uh, so it's 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 good to have guys playing good, and I'm going to defer all all injury things till tomorrow.
0: So at some point here, we'll get some Steichen words on it, and then ESPN. Just I turn... before noon today, by yeah, the way, Shane from...
3: Steichen's
1: scheduled Wednesday press. Conference. So
0: we'll have that coming up later this afternoon and tomorrow morning. What Shane Steichen will say about it. Dan Orlovsky, ESPN, reacted to the injury live yesterday on ESPN.
1: Like Jonathan's a home run hitter every single time, and it's also like the way that they their zone read works, the patience he runs yeah. with, the hezi, the jump cut and then the press. So I'm not saying like Zach Moss I think can keep them afloat. But we're talking about a team that's got games left to go on a playoff run. (laughs) To minimize this is is silly. This is a big loss for them.
0: It is a big loss. Again, six games left. The Colts trying to make the playoffs. Jonathan Taylor with that new contract. And Jonathan Taylor, just your best weapon. He and Michael Pittman now going to be out for at least two to three weeks. Again, the Colts
1: typically back to practice today. They'll do that walkthrough on a Wednesday that they've done a couple of different times this season. uh, So you won't get necessarily an official practice report until tomorrow. But uh, we'll see the update later today and obviously dissect a lot more of this Jonathan Taylor news Throughout the morning. All right. Last night at West Lafayette, the number one team in the land looked like it. Granted, they might have played the number three hundred and sixtieth ranked <laughs> team in the land. Uh, Purdue ninety nine sixty seven. That's a cover, right? Didn't we say 30 and a half points yesterday? Yeah, it was and they 30 win by 32. and thirty-two. It, it
0: was 30 and a half. I don't know where it ended up, but when we left here Those at 10-01, Vegas it was 30 and a half. sickos. It's like Absolute they know. Absolute sickos. Yeah, it's like they know what's going on. 13 to 25 from behind the
1: arc. Uh, that was Purdue. And how about Braden Smith? I always say it's Sectional late Braden Smith. 19 points, 10 assists, 9 rebounds. Kind of a funny moment late. The crowd chanting to get him back in the game <laughs> for that triple-double. He fake liked he was running to the <laughs> scores table and then went back to his seat, I didn't realize this, Uh, that would have been the first triple-double in Purdue school history since 1977. That's
0: unbelievable. It really
1: is. I mean, just off the top of my head, Hummel, Carson Edwards, Jawan Johnson, uh, Big Dog. Big Dog, yeah. Just go through the decades. You know, Conzo Martin. You know, somebody I feel like would have falling into a triple-double there, but Braden Smith, well on his way, I think at some point in his career to getting that. Uh, Next up for Purdue, it is Big Ten play at Northwestern coming up on Friday for Indiana. They will host Maryland. Again, we get underway with a couple of Big Ten games here in early December.
0: Uh, Pacers in action. We find out who they're going to play. It's going to be Monday, December fourth, against Boston. Uh, I, let's do this right now, just because I want to get this out of my system and we can do this. Did anyone see Billy Donovan last night, Mark? Do you, when I say Billy Donovan, do you know what happened? Because I didn't know until this morning. Kind of blacked out on Bull, uh, on, on the Bulls. On the, the Bulls, Bulls, you know what? what? If, if if I'm allowed to say that, what's that now? Billy's Billy Donovan? aged a little. Well, yeah, yeah he's been substandard <laughs> NBA teams for the last ten years. So last night. The Bulls lost to the Celtics. Yeah, shocking. 124-97. But it was a 30-point game, KB. And you may say, well, why the hell are you two uh, jackals bringing this up at 730 in Indianapolis? Well, for the Celtics to move on in the in-season tournament, there was a tiebreaker situation with the Nets and the Magic. And so they needed to win by differential, right? They needed to win by 23 points. So what they did to ensure that they would win by 23 points is they hacked Andre Drummond in the fourth quarter and played their starters to the end. Now Andre Drummond shoots about 46% from the free throw line, and he went up there and he clanked a bunch of free throws. And the Celtics covered that number of 23, and so they moved on. And they're going to be in town Monday at GameBridge. And, and And Billy Donovan was unhappy. Uh, and He's unhappy at the Celtics, but he's more unhappy that that was the rule, that was the tiebreaker in the NBA. And he said he put Andre Drummond in a bad spot. I mean, this is a, this is a guy has been in the NBA for decades, shooting 40% from the free throw well, that's line. That's what happens. When well, Team
1: stinks, and he stinks from the foul line. Now, having said that, I do think that tomorrow we're going to have Evan Wash on. He is a member of the NBA and was one of the kind of the spearheaders of this in-season tournament. The Pacers <laughs> didn't fall into this boat last night, Andy. But if you were a team of random NBA team and you had a chance to make the final eight here of the in-season tournament, the point differential thing got pretty confusing. Mm, oh, and you oh, got it's, some it's games super confusing, like yeah. Boston, Chicago, that you know turned into. You know, hey, we're leaving our starters until the end, and you know we aren't playing the main red claw guys or you know whoever there to ice the game. I am interested. Is there any sort of tweak that you see there? Again, the Pacers won all four of their games, so they didn't right. fall into this boat. But it could have got weird because you didn't have every team playing last night, which I think also kind of matters too when you talk about point differential. We see it in the World Cup often goal differential is a tiebreaker, but those games are played at the same time, so it's harder to kind of Hey, that team played at 5 o'clock. We play at 8. We know exactly what the magic number is we need to get to. But as Andy said, 7.30 on Monday. It'll be the Pacers and Celtics in the quarterfinal over at GameBridge Fieldhouse of the end-season tournament. Next up for Indiana... They board a plane three nights in Miami. That sounds like absolute hell, and I couldn't be speaking my age anymore with that. Uh, one you sound night, 100 years old right now. I don't like that. That'd be fun. Are you kidding me? I, I did three nights in Miami a, a <laughs> few years ago and then had the last seat in the plane on oh. the way back, and it was Mother's Day when oh. I flew back. Oh. Let's just say I thought about, can I go sleep on the wing during the during the flight? Just put me in the lavatory and wake me up
0: when we It landed. wasn't Pacers related. What was it? You just oh, went there with post, some buddies or what? Post-bachelor party oh, related. Oh, 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 man. Drown me now. Oh, man.
1: You were drowned in something. <laughs> yeah, I did. Amen to that. Rick Carlisle, good luck with your bunch. Good Three luck, nights, man. two games in Miami here coming up Thursday and Saturday. By the way, no Jimmy Butler last night. For the Heat.
4: Real quick, let me clarify because Andy, I think misspoken, gave some people heart palpitations. Uh, Michael Pittman not out two to three weeks with Jonathan Taylor. He said Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman out two to three weeks. Oh, and did I say and that? People are panicking in the Gee, YouTube no, I apologize. Oh no, gosh,
0: did I say that? Yeah, I said Michael Pittman. What did yeah, I say, little... Michael Pittman? Un- un- Why do I have Michael Pittman on my mind? No, it's just Jonathan Taylor. I apologize to the ever growing YouTube audience there. Uh, durable Michael Pittman. Uh, well, don't say that. Hardly, hardly ever. What, do you, what are you trying to say right now? Report. He's never injured. Well, Michael Pittman's always healthy.
1: If you look at his resume, <laughs> he is certainly not.
4: He put a number of hexes on people I mean, when he's done that I
1: before. Mean, when my my done. God. Nothing's ever happened. How about all the positive hexes? You know, last night no, we day, don't remember, those. Don't talk about the May weather. It was a Perfect Indy 500 <laughs> that people just choose to absolutely forget. Yeah, right. You had to go back to May for that. I do. How about the uh,
0: the positive hexes? May
1: on the other side. <laughs> when did the Jonathan Taylor injury occur? And more on what the running book, uh, running back outlook could look like for the Colts here if he indeed is going to miss multiple games. We'll touch on that. Thank you for tuning in to the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy right
0: here, ninety three five on a seven. All right, reminder, Stephen Holder going to join us coming up at 8 o'clock. We'll talk with Will Carroll about 8.30, about an hour from now. He's our injury expert. We like Will, uh, KB, but we hope we never have to have him on the air ever again. We've had him on far too many times this season. So uh, we'll talk with Will Carroll coming up at about 8.30. Tony East, Pacer Conversation coming your way at 9 o'clock. All right. What what is your biggest Will Carroll
1: question? Is it just like... You know this is a thumb could have played that through he it played through it can right you not you know bandage wrap it up etc cetera, etc cetera. I think that, that kind that, of the biggest thing isn't
0: that the biggest question yeah. that I, we I'm all curious, have? a little
1: like ligament bone like you know do you risk sure. is it strictly like we don't feel like he can hold on to the ball or is it there is an element in there that you know, you could risk further injury with this. Again, Dr. Stephen Shin is the guy that is reportedly doing the surgery. Um, he has done Drew Brees' hand surgery, Steph Curry, Mike Trout. Think about the right hands of those three guys. <laughs> well, I, I don't know, I guess, if it was the right hand for Trout. But I would think those are some important hands in Breeze and Steph and Trout as well. Uh, but yeah, Will Carroll going to join us coming up at 8.30.
4: like to have Will on just talk baseball at some point, not to, not to do injuries <laughs> right. all the time. Yeah. That's right, we should have is him on.
0: winter meeting time?
4: Yeah, for, Shohei is going to sign with the Cubs We, we well. should have
0: him break the curse and just bring him on to talk about something other than, you know, because every time we have him on, like, people want to hear the conversation, but you also don't want to hear the conversation. Uh, wow. We had him, what, three, four times, five times with Anthony Richardson. Um, I was thinking as well, I looked up Stephen Shin. Just, isn't it funny? He's a hand doctor. His last name's right. Shin. Yeah,
1: (laughs) into your jokes here. Yeah, come on. (laughs) I know. I feel like we're getting to know all these (laughs) doctors. Like, remember David Porter? He was the foot dude that did. Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson's oh. foot injuries like within a 24 48 hour span. Uh what's the guy's name? Elitraj? Is that who did Richardson's shoulder? Well, yeah, and Neil,
0: the, the Texas Rangers guy. No, oh, yeah. Remember we mentioned him a bunch. Yeah. Uh-huh. We're like is he going to be able to do AR's injury right. uh because you James know the, the Andrews, Rangers and the World coming and gone. Yeah. it used to just be him. We've we've moved on to these specialists, exactly. the specialist. Exactly. A guy would get injured, he would have surgery, we'd all go ah, Dr. James Andrews and we'd we would just move on with our lives, uh, but that's not the case. Okay, so I heard this yesterday. I, I, I think it may have been J and B. Could have been it. Could have been Jake and uh, Query and Company. But they were talking about how during the game. Lara Overton did have a report about JT's hand being wrapped correct now this yeah. was mm-hmm. in and we'll hear this here in just a second. this was at uh, the 1351 mark of the second quarter her report Now that was a touchdown drive that ultimately uh, that ultimately made it 17 to 3. The reason that's interesting is that's when Zach Mas started to play and really essentially almost the entire second quarter, Moss played, and it was like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Jonathan Taylor is rolling. I can understand trying to get another uh, player in the game, but it was just – It was very interesting. Taylor had one carry in the second quarter. And then it got 17-10. It's like, wait, what's going on here with Jonathan Taylor? So this is her report from the second quarter on the radio network.
5: You're going to see Zach Moss in at running back right now because Jonathan Taylor is over on the Colts bench with a few members of the Colts athletic training staff getting his right hand and wrist area heavily taped. So interested if possibly he incurred some contact on that touchdown run, but has it heavily taped. He's now putting his gloves on. He's ready to go back in, but for now it'll be Zach
1: Moss. Hmm. You know, it, it's, uh, first off, great That's good. observation That's good work. from yeah. Lara certainly doing her job there as a sideline reporter, unlike Carissa Thompson. But <laughs> um, if you look at what transpired in the previous sequences, Andy, and then after that, as Lara says, four-yard touchdown run for Taylor late in the first quarter. I've gone back and watched the play a dozen times. I, I, I see nothing on that play. You even go back and watch Taylor the rest of the game. And you look at the right hand; I don't even notice like heavily taped, heavily wrapped. You know, at some point did that get taken off? Um, you know, because if you look at it, it's like you don't see like a difference in definition from the right hand to the left hand the rest of the way. But to your point, and I mean, I remember tweeting about it during the second quarter. I remember looking at it at halftime. I mean, they rode Moss that Mm -hmm. entire second quarter. They did one carry for Jonathan Taylor in the second quarter. Uh, You know, I thought. Remember the play where he reached for the goal line? Yeah, you know, I thought maybe that could have been it. You know, people have uh, looked at the video. There was a run in the late third quarter where it looks like at one point he kind of shakes the right hand. So I don't know, maybe that is where it occurred even more. But if you go off that, this would seem to be again a right hand, right thumb injury for Taylor. Um, and again, the report yesterday, Jim Mersey telling the Athletic, the hope is it is just a two to three week injury. With surgery later today. Shane Steichen meets the media coming up uh, in a few hours, so we'll await kind of confirmation on that end. Of
0: Let it. me ask you this uh, I want to be clear that I don't feel this way with this injury. I understand people that do. I, I also believe, you know, as you get older, you can get mad at injuries, and I get it, but. It's such a violent sport that there's no way to legislate what goes on on that field. The NFL has tried in so many different ways. The NFL's tried, I mean, KB, you know this, so many different ways with quarterbacks. And look how many injuries and missed games that we have had with quarterbacks. You know, JT does come back here. And, you know, this is what, seven games since he came off IR and signed that contract in the first couple games, Tennessee and Jacksonville, just what, 14 carries, six catches in those first two weeks, getting him back acclimated, healthy, getting his timing back, learning the system further and everything else. And then, you know, he's really been, you can say, the bell cow. I mean, 18 carries in games, over 20 touches in a lot of these games, 15 for 91 and a couple touchdowns against Tampa on Sunday. Does it make you feel different at all about signing Jonathan Taylor? I, I, I because, can't go there. Because I, I, I don't feel that way, but I'm sure some people do. You know, so I, I have a
1: general thought on running backs, and I think our listening audience has heard this before. I, I would not draft the running backs till day three. That would just kind of be my overall drafting philosophy. I, I'm a big believer that all positions are not the same. Uh, there is a hierarchy from 1 to 22 of positional value, and I think the draft should be treated in that manner. Having said that, uh, and again, a part of the reason why Andy is it is an oft-injured sort of position. And if I'm going to spend a premium draft pick, I want that dude not torn down off the side of my building after you know four or five years. Right. And I, I want him potentially hitting prime years, you know, deep into the 20s, around age 30, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And other positions I think offer more longevity uh, than running back. Having said that, the Colts are in a unique situation. They drafted Anthony Richardson. They drafted a dude with very little experience. And and this is how I feel about Michael Pittman and re-signing him. You don't skimp at the skill positions. You don't shortcut it. If you shortcut things with Anthony Richardson, you are missing arguably the biggest element in developing a young quarterback, and that is proper support. Um, support and development. We know Richardson needs development. The early signs, pretty good for his individual development. Now the question is, how do you support him? Uh, I, I think there's so many failed quarterbacks, Andy, that if teams would have supported said QB properly, you could at least get a clearer answer, if nothing else. But you're already putting them behind the eight ball, and you know what? I think Carolina is a perfect example of that. Oh yeah, Bryce Young's living the life right now. His right best now. weapon,
0: his best weapon's Adam Thielen. Yeah, and, and you can take <laughs> away Thielen, who's
1: fine, but you know, come on, in a heartbeat. So, um. That's why I go back to the Taylor extension, why I was such a fan of it, because yes, you run the injury risk. Again, Taylor's been extremely durable throughout his career, but you had the money to spend. You could front load that contract. And at the same time, he is a unique player. So it's not like you were utilizing that money in some other manner that I think significantly would have impacted things. But I I do think overall, the theme for me still stands. If I am... You know, restarting a franchise, or if I feel like my quarterback has a little bit more stability, I can get by with the. Kansas City approach, or what we're now seeing with Philadelphia. Exactly what I was going to say. Miami right.
0: is churning and burning sure.
1: it with Tua, etc, cetera, et cetera.
0: By the way, Jeff Wilson had like 16 touches. The other, I mean, Jeff Wilson, who's been injured for the better part I feel of like two Miami's years. Miami's had four different running backs, uh, have just, like 100 they yards. Just bring, a they just bring him in. They, they just rotate him through. Uh let, let's do mention
1: this. Obviously, Zach Moss, you would assume is going to be the bell cow, and we mentioned it earlier. You know, Moss, I thought he looked pretty darn spry, honestly, on Sunday. Eight carries for 55 yards. He
0: hasn't played much Um, the last couple weeks.
1: No, he just had the one carry against New England. Now, his numbers are slightly different with Gardner Minshew, then Richardson as the starter. Uh, I think it's about a half yard per carry less. Um, The other running backs on the roster, Trey Sermon, who we did see a little bit late September, about eight carries for Sermon, I think, as a member of the Colts. He is the only other running back on the 53-man roster. If you go to the practice squad, you have Tyler Goodson, He is an Iowa product. No word yet on if he will be drinking with the Iowa faithful (laughs) later this week in Indianapolis. He's never played in the NFL. Undrafted free agent two years ago. And then Xavier Scott, who was with this team uh, back during the offseason, actually making a position switch from wideout to running back. actually liked him a little bit in the offseason, but he has not played in the NFL. Uh, Names of note, Jake Funk is a free agent. I bring that up because he obviously spent some time with the Colts earlier this year. He was on Miami's practice He got squad. cut not too long ago, right? Didn't Ironically he? enough, yeah, he yeah, just got yeah. cut. Uh, Dion Jackson, I didn't realize this till yesterday. You know he's with your Giants?
0: Oh, is he? Well, Does that describe I, hey, listen, why your Giants are your Giants? Have a good time. I don't know what to tell him. Uh, he, he, he is on Tommy the practice DeVito. squad.
1: And then I saw Kenyon Drake, who spent some time with the Colts this offseason. Uh, he just got released, I think, by the... Browns or Ravens, one of those AFC North teams. So, just a little bit of a running back rundown. Again, I I tend to think they can just roll with what they've got on their roster. And honestly, I I don't see the need, unless it's going to be a lot worse than it is, I don't see the need to put Taylor on injured reserve. Agreed. You're in a good enough roster position where, of the seven inactives you have on a weekly basis, I can't recall many times this year where the Colts have had more than like three of those guys Out due to injury. Um, You know, last week I'm trying to think. It was Kelly, Brents, and Ogletree. I want to I I want to say with a three Ryan Kelly concussion, Juju Brents quad, Drew Ogletree foot. Um, So for the most part, you know, you have been relatively healthy from a quantity standpoint this season. Some of those guys may be back here soon, right? Like you would hope, Juju Brents is back. Yeah, soon. I, I don't. On paper, I don't see the need to put Taylor on injured reserve.
0: Yeah, if you look at Zach Moss, I mean, just going back, I know people when you talk about the split, you know, Trey Sermon will probably get a couple touches, but, I mean, you go back week two, Houston, 18, uh, actually 22 touches in that game for Zach Moss, 32 touches in the Baltimore game, 18 carries against the Rams, and then JT came back in that Tennessee game, but you remember, Zach Moss was great in that game. He had 23 carries, a buck 65, two touchdowns, had a couple catches. Now again, Richardson well, was the starter he, in that game, he, and I do think was. we have to mention that because he, he, he
1: was. There are numbers that indicate, again, with Richardson, life is a little different. Um, we mentioned the big touchdown run that Zach Moss had in that game. I mean, if you watch that play, Tennessee defenders are glued to Anthony Richardson, a couple of them springing Moss there. But you could go to the Baltimore game when Minshew started the entire game, and that game went into overtime, and Moss was a bell cow. And I thought, again, I thought on Sunday with Minshew, the eight for fifty five yeah, was, was good. Darn effective. Yeah, he was good. And, and, and like making, you know, some plays after contact, things like that here. But nonetheless, I mean, it is still a loss. Um, and it's just crazy how different the second matchup with Tennessee now is. You know, that was Taylor's <laughs> debut game. Moss kind of stole the show. That was Taylor's debut back in week five. But think about the first matchup. The quarterbacks have started, Tannehill and Richardson. <laughs> both gone, both right? Both gone. Uh you had Grover Stewart in that game. He's not here. Uh, Bernard Ryman didn't play in that game. He's now back. Again, Taylor played, not a whole lot. Now he's gone. Um, one of their key defensive linemen, uh, Tahir Tart, was out for that game. He was kind of a big run-stopping guy. And was Bayard By- still there? He was yeah, in Ken Tennessee. Byard yeah, he, was, he was still there. was still there. Um, so, again, a couple of key you know uh, guys they have, guys they don't. And, and if you go back to that Tennessee game, Andy – Outside of the Richardson injury, which obviously was the biggest storyline that we recapped on that Monday, game-wise, you bullied them.
0: You oh, know, that you, was the story of the
1: game. You beat them at their own thing. Henry at three yards per carry. You stuffed them on the fourth and one. Remember the Zaire Franklin yeah. doing the King celebration or maybe tweeted out, you know, crown me or something after the game. And then you had the big seven, eight-minute drive to kind of ice it there late. Um, So, uh, you know, you kind of bullied them and you had lost five in a row to them and you gave them a little bit of their own medicine. Can you duplicate that on Sunday on the road? I
0: wanted to ask you this as well. Coming up in about 10 minutes, top of the hour. Stephen Holder will join us here on the wake up call on the fan. I I just I want to throw this your way. And I don't know what to do with just all this. Like we can talk about still today. I want to dive into what we think it means for the playoffs. Um, And you know, we those are things that we will find out as we go. Uh, Obviously, Zach Moss is a really good player. This is one reason why you did not trade him back in October. Is you still need guys? I even want to ask. You know, Stephen Holder. You know, Minshew has had to play so much this season, and Zach Moss has had to play so much this season that we always talk about the starters Chris Ballard this offseason is gonna have to make sure they have a quality backup running back now everyone should have one but I mean Jonathan Taylor here is going to miss this season at least what six seven games at least and in two of the games he was very much a part time player. So you're looking at about, you know, getting about, especially if he comes back here at the end of the year, KB, about a half a year from Jonathan Taylor. And obviously we know Anthony Richardson and the season ending injury. So that's one thing. The other thing is I don't sense this from you as much, but the Colts fans have the woe is me. Down, I mean, do that, and then, and I mean, part of me gets it. Like, I don't know how their injury situation lines up to everybody else in the NFL. But you have Anthony Richardson, who thirteen games. I mean, I mean, you look at it; he's going to end up missing thirteen games, and even in the games he played, he did not obviously finish all those games. And now you're looking at Jonathan Taylor, a guy you just signed, and the thumb injury probably not a big deal. But the time you need JT the most is right now, where you have six games and. If the season ended today, you'd be in the postseason. In the AFC, those final spots, it's just gonna be it's gonna come down to the final moments of the regular season. You know that, with you know, three, four, potentially five teams in the mix there. So you're gonna have JT who's gonna be out for like seven games, and then it took him a couple games to kind of get acclimated, which is understandable, and then Anthony Richardson, who's out for thirteen games. I mean, that that's that's your team. That's yeah. the firepower. Get yeah,
1: I mean, Grover, six games, sure. obviously, due to the PDs, uh Your offensive line's been a little banged up. I I tend to live in a bit of a bubble, Andy, that like is so cult centric. But I also just believe this is life in the NFL. You know, I I mentioned earlier in the week, like Kevin Stefanski possible on the coach of the year list. Have you seen Cleveland's injuries? Right. I mean, it's it's absurd. Uh, Nick Chubb, obviously Watson. Both their
0: starting tackles. <laughs> All their quarterbacks. Uh, Miles Garrett now. You know, has Garrett's a sling on hurt. his arm. Yeah. Um.
1: You know. So. <laughs> I don't know. You could probably go team by team and and look at some of this. You know, more teams maybe a little bit uh, injured than others with it. But it does seem like from a news cycle standpoint, it's been every single week with this Colts team. It's been every Uh, week, yeah. The Shaq Leonard situation, uh, you know, obviously Richardson. um, And, you know, now you're going to look at Sunday and it's like, I assume Will Levis has already played more than Anthony Richardson this season. I'll like, I, I mean, I'll look at the numbers. But I mean, he's Levis played, was what, probably already games? started, yeah, what, four sure. or five games? No, and has, I don't think yeah. he's missed a snap within those games. So this is that reminder. And I guess maybe Bryce Young was it a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, with Bryce Young going one overall, I think it was more of the, okay, is it Richardson? Is it Levis for the Colts? It's just another kind of kick in the you-know-what of, I mean, this is what you wanted for your rookie do experience of, like, these unscripted, meaningful December games Big-time atmospheres, when you're 6-6 and at Florida, you're just not going to get that same sort of college feel to what NFL do-or-die week in and week out is every week. And again, that is more than just, how does his accuracy look? Is he an NFL thrower? No, no, no. It's more of just, dude, two minutes to go in a game. Experience what Baker Mayfield got for a few plays on Sunday. You're down seven. Here's the ball at the 35-yard line. How do you react? We saw him. In the opener against Jacksonville, he threw the pick in that situation. Now he comes back against the Rams, and he leads a 23-point comeback. So you, you want him in more of those moments. I go back to Manning's rookie season. 3-13, and 13, Andy, is how we remember that rookie season for Peyton Manning. He throws the most picks of any rookie quarterback in NFL history. Of those 13 losses, eight of them were one-score games. That is invaluable. For Peyton Manning. And that is a guy that started for four years at Tennessee. So that, I think... T- this week, it's gotten back to the front of my brain, Andy, of like,
0: damn, mm-hmm.
1: this sucks that Richardson or, is not out there.
0: Even when Richardson got injured, you know, Minshew had to go down and lead the game-winning mm-hmm. drive uh, against Tennessee. Stephen Holder going to join us just quickly. Yeah, I mean... Uh, Will Levis has about, you know, about double the attempts right now. Already. Passing attempts already of Anthony Richardson. Yeah, it's almost double.
1: And obviously he wasn't the starter to begin the season for Tennessee. All right, loaded 8 o'clock hour. Steven Holder, injury expert Will Carroll at 8.30. More on Jonathan Taylor. We'll unpack it all on a very nice start, by the way, to this Wednesday morning here in Indy.
0: We'll keep the Colts' Jonathan Taylor conversation going. Stephen Holder, ESPN.com, going to join us here in just a second. Reminder, Will Carroll, going to join us at 8.30. We'll talk about that thumb, that right thumb, we think, uh, of JT. We'll do that. Tony East, going to join us in the 9 o'clock hour. Pacers will get ready, uh, obviously, Miami this weekend, and then in-season tournament, going to be Monday, 7.30 there at GameBridge hosting the Boston Celtics. All right, let's go on out to the Payless Liquors Hotline. Stephen Holder, join joins us here every week, 8 o'clock hour on a Wednesday. He's from ESPN.com. Stephen, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, gentlemen? Uh, we are fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Let's jump right into it. Uh, the last 20 hours or so, what have you learned? What do we know about the injury, the time missed, and everything else? What do you make of all of this injury and uh, the uh, the drama yet again as the Colts' Jonathan Taylor going to be out a couple weeks, it looks like?
6: Yeah, so um, 1 p.m. today in Los Angeles, Jonathan Taylor will have surgery on, as, as you said, I think that right thumb. I believe it's the right thumb, but I, I haven't nailed that down. But anyhow, um, did get that word from Jermersay last night. It's, it's a setback. It, uh, we think this happened in the first half at some point. I would be lying if I told you I knew when it happened. I have seen some video... of of others posted where he's wincing a little bit at one point, but you can't tell what, if anything happened. So I, I have no idea. And, and I know myself and others talked to Jonathan Taylor after the game and all seemed normal. I was actually hanging out over there with Zach Moss and him for, for quite some time, you know, just kind of chit chatting even before, you know, doing actual interviews. I, I never had any inclination that something was wrong. So I don't know. I, I'm in the wrong field, apparently. <laughs> so, anyway, it's uh, it's definitely a setback. Two to three weeks is what Ursay thinks. What what I want to know, or what will what time will tell, is whether he's being optimistic or whether that's really the the realistic timeline. You know, so we'll just have to see. And and they may not know right away. That's the other thing. It, this may have to be a situation where it plays out, and then he has to kind of see what. Uh, what kind of usage he can have with that sum as as the healing process goes on.
1: And I will add this, Stephen. We played a clip earlier in the show from Lara Overton. She had a report early in the second quarter um, about the – what would you say, Mark? Uh, Sure. Yeah, for our audience that hasn't heard this, again, this is early second quarter. Stephen, everybody out there from Sunday, this was Lara describing uh, why Jonathan Taylor was not in the game at the time.
5: You're going to see Zach Moss in at running back right now because Jonathan Taylor is over on the Colts bench with a few members of the Colts athletic training staff getting his right hand and wrist area heavily taped. So interested if possibly he incurred some contact on that touchdown run, but has it heavily taped. He's now putting his gloves on. He's ready to go back in. But for now, it'll be Zach Moss.
1: You know, Steven, it's interesting when you watch the rest of the game first off, I mean I've gone back and looked at pictures and videos. You can't even tell any that, that the right hand is taped at all like th- th- there's right. no like significant definition in the right hand versus the left. and then I, i'm I'm torn on it because Taylor only had one carry in the second quarter and I'm sitting there thinking and I think you and I are in the same boat, like, okay, what's is there an injury? He's got his helmet on? he's right next to yep. um uh. Whoever the running back's coach is, for some reason, is escaping you right right now. So I'm trying to think of like, okay, what's going on here? They want to get Moss a little bit more run, so maybe this is playing into it. But I did just want to provide a little bit of context around possibly when this could have occurred. But to your point, Colts never announced an injury. Taylor's screaming and jumping and yelling, running off the field. I don't know if this is just strictly adrenaline, but there were no clear signs, I guess, in-game of it.
6: Yeah, and it, I'll tell you, I mean, that was, I thought, one of his best performances since he returned. Oh, for sure. He looked great. He looked great. I mean, had he had more touches, and, and now we, we have some context of why around why maybe he didn't, but had he had more touches, that could have been a big game. And, and let me tell you, and you know this, that Buccaneers uh, rushing defense is excellent. It's very good. They came in. Not expecting to be able to run the ball. I mean, you saw what Shane Steichen's game plan was. It was throw it up and down the field, to which we were kind of like, all right, uh, you know, don't forget who your quarterback is. But <laughs> that was, there was a reason for that. It wasn't just, you know, Shane Steichen just kind of being, you know, sort of willy nilly. Uh, they, they were afraid that, that they may have some challenges running the ball, particularly with Ryan Kelly missing that game at center. So, I think it even gives more credence to the kind of performance Jonathan Taylor had in light of the circumstances. So, really remarkable when you think about it.
1: Last Taylor, won for me, against Stephen Holder, ESPN, with us. I, you know, when Taylor was out back early in the season, it was, hey, are they going to get a free agent running back? How are they going to handle things? You know, Zach Moss obviously had his broken arm. He was out for you know, a huge chunk of training camp in the preseason. I believe they'll just roll with what they've got. Moss, Trey Sermon, they got a couple guys in the practice squad. I don't know, maybe they bring back Jake Funk or something. But uh, do you think they'll go outside the building at all?
6: Not in any meaningful way, no. I'm with you. I think that the majority of the load will be Zach Moss. And, you know, they didn't really share the load uh, when Zach Moss had to go it alone early on. And I think they'll go back to that. Just because I think the drop off beyond him is pretty significant, and that with the coupled with the fact that I mean Zach Moss has, has earned the right. I mean he's he's good enough, and I, it's funny. I mentioned to someone yesterday, you know, to someone uh, on the Colts staff. I, I mentioned to them. I said, Hey, you know, you know what's going to happen here? Zach Moss is going to have another couple big games, and you guys are going to lose him in free agency. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> And, you know, it's a good problem to have, and they, you know, we both got a laugh out of it, but I think that's where this is heading. That's what they're hoping for, frankly, that that he does outperform expectations and does well.
0: Stephen Holder with us here wake up call on the fan uh, Stephen joins us here pay less licorice hotline. There's no way Stephen to answer this question. It's unfair, but we've kicked it around a little bit this morning. It's what fans are talking about. 6 games left right now at the season We're to end you be in the you be in the playoffs and everything else. So such a vital stretch and now on the road, back to back games. Just in your mind, how much does this affect their playoff chances? with Jonathan Taylor finally playing really good football and now being injured?
6: I think it hurts, actually. I, I think it hurts a fair amount. I, I'm not saying it knocks him out, not at all. But I, I do think it hurts a fair amount. I mean, think about it. You have some really good balance here between between the, the run and pass that you're able to have. And, and the reason for that is is largely because of Taylor, I, I am not discounting Zach Moss. I just said all these nice things about him, so I'm not taking them back. What I'm saying is that number one, the balance between those two guys has been a, a really good mix. I'm talking about Taylor and 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 Moss. But the juice, the big plays, they tend to come from from Taylor, and and you see how he is he is maximizing every run right now. And if it's, if it's third and three they're not afraid to give it to Taylor and tell him go get three yards and he can do it and is doing it. So, I don't know. I, I do think it hurts a fair amount. Uh, we remember a few weeks back talking about, you know, sort of the the play or the usage between the two with Shane Steichen and he talked about how, you know, he has certain plays that are tagged for, for certain running backs. So, I wonder then, does that maybe condense the types of plays that he can call in certain situations because he prefers to run those with Taylor. So little things like that that we don't always know or aren't privy to do have an effect on the game, on the play caller, and on the offense in general.
1: He is Stephen Holder from ESPN. He's with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Colts are going to have a walkthrough today as they get ready to take on the Titans coming up this Sunday in Nashville. Stephen, you bring up free agency, Zach Moss. I mean, honestly, I, I can't recall a time in the Chris Boward era they've had this many notable free agents. I think you could point to yeah. a handful that are going to merit a-, a decent to better-than-decent market out there. One of those, in my opinion, would be Michael Pittman Jr., I feel like the Colts love Pittman. I think they love him a lot more than the public perception views him. And again, I think we get so stuck in a number 1 wideout label that there's a lot more context around it than just, is the guy a top 10 wideout or not? Could you see Michael Pittman being presented a contract extension here late in the season? I'm not saying Pittman would necessarily sign it, but could you see that happening? Because I just feel like the Colts love the dude.
6: First of all, I could not agree more. I do. I do think that we spend way too much time. And look, I get it. This is talk radio. This is what we're supposed to do. This is what people want, right? But we do spend probably an inordinate, an inordinate amount of time talking about what what he is, instead of, or what you know, what how he should be classified, as opposed to talking about what is inarguable, which is all he does is produce all the time. That's all he does, and. I think that matters more than anything, to be honest. I mean, is he a number one and number two? I don't know, but he's on pace for 1,200 yards. I can tell you that. That is a fact. So, yes, I'm with you. I think I think the world of Michael Pittman doesn't mean they shouldn't go get someone else. I, I don't know how that'll work, but that's a different question. As for Michael Pittman, yeah, I, think, I don't know whether the Colts will do that in terms of presenting the contract. I think it would be smart, however, because I do think I do think the the cost is going up by the day here. And I get it there are other wide receivers in this class. It's it's a pretty notable class in fact.
1: Yeah, Mike so, Evans being one of them who we just saw.
6: Yeah, exactly. So, it's not to say like he won't have competition, but I mean we've said that before at other positions and you know what happens. Okay, it's it's inevitable that guys will get franchised or they will resign with their own teams and the actual free agent list is not going to be very good ultimately, or at least not what you think it's going to be. So given all of that, if you let your guy get to the market, you might find that he doesn't have that much company at his position, and that makes him more in demand and more expensive. So I think it would be very smart. Now, what I don't know is from a salary cap perspective what their flexibility is and, and how how it might affect them from that perspective. So that's a question and I need to do my homework on that. But just from the standpoint of whether it makes sense, 100%, it absolutely makes sense to approach Pittman now.
0: Stephen Holder, ESPN.com, with us. Stephen, I heard you on yesterday with uh, Jake and Jimmy, and you called Pittman a dog, D A W G. That's exactly what he is. That's exactly what he is. He is this a tough dude that catches everything, and he had, you know, he had a couple uh, fingertip catches even on Sunday against Tampa Bay. We're like, okay, that might be a seven-yard catch, but that uh, not every wide receiver is making that. Stephen Holder with us here on the Fan. Uh, Stephen, I just, you know, I was going to ask you this week. I wrote a note, just you know. Leaving this season, whether they make the postseason or not, and we'll see how they finish out here the final six games, one of the positive things, the most positive things perhaps, especially that AR has been out is just the confidence in Shane Steichen. It looks like the moment's not too big for him. Uh, I was going to ask you about the fourth down calls and everything else, but now that they have injuries, I mean, you look at it. I mean, Taylor's going to miss at least six, seven games this season, and a couple of those games, he was very much a part-time player, right? Eight Cut, you yeah. know, eight, eight touches, getting him acclimated, so he's going to be affected in like nine games this season. And we know Anthony Richardson's missing thirteen games, and he had injuries within those games. So whether it be injuries, Grover Stewart, the offensive line, the even the drama with Jonathan Taylor, a game like Sunday against Tampa Bay, I thought Steichen outcoached the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And if nothing else, this season, the fact that you have uh, a, a, a a head coach who is in tune with today's NFL. I can't say enough about what Steichen's done thus far this season.
6: I, I couldn't agree more. Look, I, I think a great example is, and I know we've probably covered this over the last couple of days, but that that fourth and, fourth and one call that you just mentioned, I thought that the most notable thing about that was not that they ran it necessarily. It's a good play, but, um, other teams have, have used it at the college level, apparently. Um, Tom Manning, the tight ends coach, might have stole that from his from his last stop, in fact, <laughs> Iowa State. Um, I got a lot of Iowa State fans in my mentions, which is hilarious <laughs> because I didn't know they knew I existed. But anyway, uh, <laughs> what I loved about that play more than anything is, again, not that they ran it, but the fact that they ran it from midfield. That was intended to be a red zone play because – the thinking there is, all right, look, it's kind of aggressive, right? If we don't execute this and, and we fall flat on our face, we're going to look bad. So let's not run this like in an area of the field that could get us in trouble, right? Let's run it down there, the red zone, and if it doesn't work, well, hey, we'll just play defense and we'll stop them. That's what you'd say, right, in the meeting room, in the game planning portion of the week. Instead, Sykin says, you know what? I don't care. Let's go for it. We're going to, we're going to be better than them. And they were. They absolutely were. Uh, those guys sold it. He trusted his guys. That's the one word I heard after the game quite a bit. Gardner Minshew, uh, Michael Pittman, the word was trust. Because, the, the as Michael Pittman put it, look, coaches, when they take chances, the blame falls back on them. Right. The blame is going to go on Shane Steichen. Nobody's going to blame Gardner Minshew. Ah, you didn't carry out the fake good enough. Uh, no, the first criticism is going to be, "What an idiot!" You got to too cute. Play. Yes, and I and I would I oftentimes have been that guy. All right, I mean we all have. We've all made those criticisms, but that's why you have to have a certain air of confidence to make those kinds of calls in that situation, in that part of the field. And Shane Steichen, man, he's he's bold. I'll give him that. He is bold. Look, they're not the best fourth down team in the league or anything. They're, they're literally middle of the pack, like 14th or 15th and fourth down conversions. But that's not what this is about. I think when you coach with confidence, that confidence then trickles down to your team and they play with the same.
1: Steven, last one from me and Steven Holder uh, is with us here from ESPN. I, I know this a week ago. This is the first time we've had the chance to chat with you since that. And, and I don't know. I. One, I feel like you have a pretty good relationship with Jim Ursay, so um I feel like you're a good person to ask. Two, he he was referencing ESPN employees in his tweet rant <laughs> last week. Um, anything more that played out from the Ursay HBO appearance, the Carmel cops comment. The Stephen A. Smith comment, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think he called one of the women on first take ugly. I'm not sure he called that person out by name per se, but I, I, right. I, is there anything, I guess, more to this, or is this Jim Irsay being Jim Irsay and, you know, whatever. Next time he talks to media, maybe it'll be a question then, but nothing uh, as of now?
6: Well, it is, to a great extent, Jim Irsay being Jim Irsay. That's true. Sure. But in this respect, it, I, I have always felt and for a very long time, and you know this too, Jim Irsay loves to be loved more than anything. He loves to hand out those $100 bills at training camp, all that, right? And this, this is not a criticism of that. That's great. But he does it because he has a good heart, but he also does it because he likes the attention. He likes the adoration. I mean, that all, we all do, right? That's fine. And when when something negative happens with him, he doesn't get that. And I think it bothers him, And particularly when he gets criticized. So he was criticized heavily for his comments on HBO about the, the Carmel police situation. And that resulted in a lot of criticism, you know, far and wide. It's why he was talking about first take. He can't handle that very well. He just doesn't handle it well. So what does he do? He digs in further and further and further and makes a bad situation worse. It's a very... It's a bad tendency that he has, and that's to say nothing of the fact that, look, I mean, the the comment itself is problematic, right? Now, a lot of people who don't know Jim Irsay might think, okay, well, that's really uh, that's really disingenuous to say something like that when you know we have we have a lot of issues in this country. Certainly, we had an entire a summer in 2020. You know, geared toward talking about inequity with how the police deal with certain groups of people that look like me, right? However, the funny thing about it is, I actually don't think he's remotely racist necessarily. He's a rich guy that lives in a different world than we do. That's his problem. That's what makes him prejudiced, or I guess that's what shapes his worldview. Not not prejudice, like racist. It just it shapes his worldview. That's how he sees the world, you know. And so he can't relate to other people's problems because he's never experienced them so anyway so he has two issues number one he lives in a different universe than the rest of us and then number two when he gets criticized he doesn't know how to just cut his losses and leave well enough alone because he loves to be loved and i don't know how he fixed that (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah I, I think that's pretty well said on it yeah he just seems like we're back to you know whatever Abby's hat pick tweets and um, you know random stuff about the game uh, alright Steven <laughs> great stuff as always thank you for the time and uh, we'll uh, await I guess some Shane Steichen confirmation here coming up in a few hours all right, guys. Talk to you soon. Steven Holder right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Speaking of tweets, Will Carroll, the injury expert, going to join us here in a few, Andy. His latest um, tweet just a few minutes ago. Jonathan Taylor having surgery in L.A. yet has a two- to three-week timeline? What do he and Aaron Rodgers have in common? I'll discuss coming up at 8.30 on 107.5 The Fan.
0: That's a tease. Now, that's a Will Carroll, that's a professional-level sports radio tease, Kevin Bowen. Now, we've mentioned this throughout
1: the show. Reportedly, the doctor is Stephen Shin that is doing the surgery on Jonathan Taylor. By all accounts, he is the hand expert. He's the guru. I mean, Steph Curry, Drew Brees... Uh, Mike Trout. I mean, big, big, name. Uh, very important hands in, in 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 that group right there. I believe the Breeze one. I'm trying to think back. Remember when he had the thumb injury? Yeah, I do. And originally the timetable was supposed to be like two and a half
0: months. Yeah, and I remember back this. And just yeah. over a month. Or he had the wrap on it. I remember. Yeah, something like that. So
1: um, again, it's not the same doctor that did Aaron Rodgers' Achilles. Just to be clear there, but that's certainly a question we'll be throwing Will Carroll's way here in a few minutes
0: yeah i need to look through uh i'm gonna do that during the break and find out what other names uh he is uh he's taking care of in the last couple years breeze curry and trout that's good i'm just interested is that not enough for you it's it's great i'm just interested better than bowen sweeney and (laughs) dighton yeah i did that hair procedure on bowen back in the day uh mike trout does keep the doctors busy yeah. He does keep the doctors busy there in L.A. Unfortunately. Yes. And Steph
1: Curry, especially early in his career. Um, yes, he does. But that was more ankle now that I think yes, about it. Yeah, I that thought he
0: was a little bit more ankle. No, I'm going to look up exactly who he's who he's worked on. Remember, we did this with the Texas Rangers guy. We went through. It was like uh, Kevin Bacon. It was like a bunch of like actors and actresses and the stuff IMDb like that. The IMDB page yeah. for medical doctors. Yeah, why not? I mean, we learn who Dr. Steven Shin is, and we learn all about him. So that's what we're going to do during the break. Uh, we'll Carroll in a few <laughs> before that. Uh, Morning Checkdown time.
2: The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.
0: Yeah, let's start with Purdue. We've done so much Colts here. Uh, Again, 1 o'clock today, that surgery for Jonathan Taylor. Purdue winners last night. They moved to 7-0 on the season. Ninety nine sixty seven over Texas Southern. Matt Painter post game on the win. Yeah, I, I thought our guys played well. I thought the difference in the game was the beginning of the second half, just kind of pushed the game out. thought they made some, you know, three or four shots in the first half that were really
4: tough, that kept it at 15. And then um, that first five, six minutes, you know, really separated us in the, in the game. But I, I thought our guys were ready to go.
0: Friday, what Northwestern uh, is up next at Northwestern? Yes, Brooks
1: Barnheiser, their best player, a Lafayette, one of their best players, along with Boo Booey, Lafayette native. So oh, there you go. Um, first road, true road game for Purdue here this season. Indiana's got Maryland coming up on Friday. All right. Last night we also found out the Pacers' their in season quarterfinal opponent. It will be the number one team in the Eastern Conference, the Boston Celtics, inside a GameBridge Fieldhouse. That is a seven thirty. TNT game. So the first ever TNT game in the Tyrese Halliburton era will be Monday, 7:30 tip inside of GameBridge Fieldhouse. The Bucks and the Knicks are the other Eastern Conference semifinal, or I guess quarterfinal uh, winners will obviously play each other. Losers will fall Good into the losers losers bracket. Yeah, out
0: west. uh Refresh my memory. Is it Sun- Lakers, yeah. Suns, yeah. Kings, and Pel. You got it. Pelicans? Yeah, Suns at Lakers, Pelicans at Kings.
1: So I think it's a nice flavor. You know, you got some definitely like some championship teams and some other teams It's like, you know what? Yeah. They need to experience what, you know, somewhat close to playoff basketball is like. Um, again, next up for the Pacers after a day off yesterday. They will travel to Miami later today, take on the Heat tomorrow night and Saturday. We did not see Jimmy Butler last night for the Heat due to an ankle injury, so that'll obviously be something to watch as the Pacers start to hit the road a whole lot here uh, late November into December.
6: When I say that he's trash, I I mean that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) One other thing for me. T.J. Warren, right, was Uh, the culprit of that one. I like that. Shaq Leonard left Dallas yesterday without a deal. He is in Philadelphia. Today is Shaq Leonard, so figured we'd update you. We'll see what happens with him. Dallas yesterday, Philly today. And then again, some Bloomington- Momentum
1: is Paul Chris. Are we going to label him a favorite?
0: <laughs> we, oh boy, is that the most popular name that you've heard? Oh boy, yeah, probably. And he and the I Toledo guy, Cand- by the way, Candle the Toledo guy, yeah, Jason Candle. I feel like Toledo. those. I feel like those two are it. Mike Hart, former
1: Indian assistant, sounds like he. Uh, will be or has interviewed. He's currently on Michigan staff, obviously. Yeah, former Colt as well. But it seems like Paul Chris has kind of been the name. That yeah. seems like such a meh
5: uh.
4: hire.
1: <laughs> I, I think that's a fair way to describe it. So I was texting, oh. uh, buddy, last night, um, and he he called Chris a floor raiser. I I like he was skeptical of it, but called him a floor raiser. I think that's probably a good way to describe it. I think you'd have some definite questions about, like, are you ready to live in this college football world? Because the college football world you exited Mm -hmm. 24 months ago is much, much different than the college football world you're going to be entering right now. And there's a little bit element with the Wisconsin guys, Andy, of, like... Are you just kind of born on maybe not third base, but are you born on second base? Well, you're at
0: least born on second base. Yeah, with I mean, they, they Alvarez, Belama, boom. Well, they, here you have, go. You know, you'd know? have three offensive linemen who are NFL guys and three running backs. I mean, go back on some of those rosters. I would say the the positive with Chris would be besides you know running to program, Big Ten, big time level, and everything else is he hasn't been a multiple time retread. Does that make sense? Like he hasn't yeah, been. was it Pittsburgh that he was at for a couple years yeah, before he came back to Wisconsin? Yeah, yeah. Like he hasn't been in five different jobs after Wisconsin. That to me it would be different if he left Wisconsin in 2022 and he had had a couple, you know, at least another job or a couple other jobs there. He's working right next to Sark. Sark is a really yeah, he's currently respected. At, at, at Texas, yeah, he's yeah. at Texas, a respected offensive mind. I'm not trying to talk you into Paul Chris, but um, you know, Osterman had his hot board 3.0 updated and it seemed like Toledo and Paul Christ what well, Jason Candle uh Toledo and Paul Christ kind of two names potentially separating themselves yeah. here early on. And again, Mike Hart we'll doesn't see. have
1: the head coaching experience right. but certainly a lot in the Big 10 and was on Indiana staff here a few years back. So we'll continue to update that. Osterman did mention by the way that uh the collectives and the fundraising at Indiana have contributed $3 million separate to the new head football coach for NIL. So that's quite the gift, if it's you will, start. waiting for the new head football coach and obviously very key for Indiana moving forward. Lastly, I will mention uh, Butler, Thad Mata's bunch. They've got a big one with Texas Tech at Hinkle tomorrow night. Uh, Butler's had a nice start to the season here, uh, winning two of three in Florida during Thanksgiving week. All right, Will Carroll on the other side. He's got some injury news on Jonathan
0: Taylor, maybe a little Aaron Rodgers connection. He'll explain more next. Appreciate Stephen Holder from ESPN joining us last segment. Always love catching up with him each and every week here on the program. You miss any of his conversation or our conversation in our number one, or Will Carroll, who we're going to have on here in a couple minutes, find out the podcast at 1075thefan.com. Tony East is going to join us coming up in about 25 minutes. We'll talk some Pacer basketball with him as well. All right, let's jump on out. Payless Liquors Hotline, Will Carroll, our injury expert at at injury expert, uh, if you want to follow him on Twitter, uh, will uh, number one. Good morning, number two. Uh, quite the twenty minutes ago, you put quite the tease on Twitter. I mean, it's very professional. You, you wrote <laughs> Jonathan Taylor having surgery in L.A., uh, yet has a two to three week timeline. Question mark. What do he and Aaron Rodgers have in common? And you said you were going to discuss with us. So let's start there and discuss yeah. that. What do
3: they have in common? <laughs> the, it's the brace that they're having. It's not exactly the similar, but it's developed by the same company, Arthrex, down in Florida. And yeah, you know, what we've seen is the ability to have this. It's basically it's called suture tape in one application, which will be for Taylor and his thumb. Uh, what Aaron Rodgers and Brock Bowers, the tight ends from Georgia, had uh, uses tightrope, uh, which mm-hmm. is basically just thicker. Uh, run of the material. So basically, this really, really strong fibrous brace that they put in alongside repairing the ligament allows people to come back in almost literally half the time. Steve Shin, Phenomenal doctor, you're right. Calling him the guy for hands, yeah, he's done everybody who's had a hand injury. He really, w- <clears throat> excuse me, was involved in developing this surgery, and his technique is what everyone else uh, has, has really taken up. So it's gone from being an eight to twelve week injury to a three to four week injury. Wow. Two to three is a little aggressive. We saw Chris Paul come back in about four weeks. We saw Mike Trout come back. I was told he could have been back at three, but the Angels are always conservative, so he came back at four. This is something that's going to be interesting to watch, but we just saw Bowers come back from a tightrope surgery in his high ankle in 26 days. The average time for the NFL, I, I don't have a good NCAA timeline for it, but the average time for a return in the NFL from that type of injury uh, is, is eight weeks. He did it in 26 days.
5: Hmm.
1: That is fascinating. So are we looking at here, Will, this is more of a a ball security, um, you know, is the hand strong enough to handle playing running back in the NFL like that? You know, because I I think the common theme yesterday when people hear thumb injury and they hear that Jonathan Taylor played multiple quarters with it, they just automatically say, wrap it up, pad it up, play
3: Yeah, uh, watch the tape. He's carrying it with his other hand. Uh, they were clearly running that direction, so it was on the outside. Um, you know, they, they ran a couple times to the, the opposite side, and he cut back, I think, knowingly or subconsciously. So, yeah, it's completely about ball control. Uh, this injury happened because... Man, when you're in those piles, when you get held up and they're trying to rip away the ball, they're punching the ball, somebody must have, I'm sure not intentionally, but this is going to happen, just pulled his thumb back, and that ligament couldn't handle it and snapped. It's common. That's how it happened to Drew Brees, who had uh, the same exact surgery Uh, I expect Taylor to have and came back quickly, Uh, and he has to grip the ball to to throw it as well as control it. Uh, Taylor only has to be able to hold on to it. How do you view, um,
1: I guess, you reference ligaments there. This is more ligament and not bone?
3: Yeah. Yeah, this is a sprain. Now, it, the bone can be involved. It's not uncommon for a... Basically, where the ligament attaches into the bone there, the metacarpal phalangeal joint, say that twice. Uh, (laughs) So what a little piece of bone gets pulled out, it's called an avulsion fracture. That's not uncommon and it doesn't take long to heal. And basically they drill uh, the piece of ligament right back in there anyway.
0: Will Carroll with us here. Will, we, we laughed earlier on the show. We love having you on, but we also hate having you on. You understand that, right? Grim Reaper. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> you, you give us great stuff, but, you know, Anthony Richardson. An intelligent Grim yeah, Reaper. Yeah, yes. I mean, it, a, let's be fair. It needs to be said. You are an intelligent Grim Highly Reaper. intelligent. But still a Grim Reaper, uh, nonetheless. <laughs> Will Carroll with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, so you think two to th- two, two weeks, definitely, but two to three weeks, uh, a little aggressive. You think more of four weeks? I I mean, there's no way to know, but what
3: do you think? Yeah, you know, I keep going back to Mike Trout and Chris Paul. That was a couple years ago. We've gotten more aggressive with the rehab. We understand it better, and we're just willing to go a little bit quicker. I was comparing it to Aaron Rodgers because Rodgers had the tightrope in his Achilles. He's using very, very aggressive very scientific, uh, odd for him, uh, rehab techniques. He's using blood flow restriction. He's using this thing called a neuro 20 smart suit that like you guys have all seen electrical stimulation that they'll put on muscles after a muscle strain. This actually stimulates muscles in a, what it's called a scientific dynamic matrix. So if you take a step or you're making one activity, it, like, fires muscles on the other side. I don't fully understand it, but I think it's cool. Uh, you know, so Rodgers is doing all these things and being very aggressive and is willing to take a risk. The thing I'm curious about with Taylor is how much do you risk on it? I know they're in playoff position, but if Zach Moss is playing as well, do you give him that extra week? How much risk is there? Well, he could tear it again. So you go and do the same surgery again, and he's ready for the next season. So how much pain is Taylor willing to take on the downside?
1: what will um and again will carroll the injury expert uh, under the knife on substack that's where you can find his work uh, he's with us here on the payless slickers hotline what will tell the colts that taylor is good to go is it simply hey man can you withstand catching passes handling some contact is there like okay we have to look at an x-ray and that indicates you know the ligament is 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 good what 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 will kind of be the evidence that say all right he can be back in the lineup
3: I can remember a couple of years ago at a conference talking to Steve Shin about this kind of operation uh, and how much it was going to advance things. And I think he was even conservative on it. But I said, what's really the test for this? Is it grip? Is it you know, being able to have the same grip strength as the other side? He goes, no, it's just a handshake usually. Gosh, just a handshake,
1: just a firm presidential handshake, I, and then I like that. And then. Who, who has Doctor Shin worked on besides? I don't know if I want to be the person shaking Jonathan Taylor's hand. To, to, to ju- that sounds like a lot of
0: responsibility. Yeah, who does that it has to be Ballard or Steichen? I would well, imagine Steichen has did, to do that have to
1: hold Ursay's hand in the locker
3: room. I, I'm <laughs> thinking it'll be the team doctor, but you know, the Colts have had better uh, results. Uh, again, it, Mike, the ones I, I go to are Mike Trout and Chris Paul because they're the best known. Drew Brees. Also, uh, so those are the kind of, kind of things we've seen. But remember, we've seen leaps and bounds advances in the last two years. So using things from 2019 like Breeze mm. aren't the best comparison because we've made so many advances right. since then.
0: Will Carroll with us. All right, Will, I'm doing this. This has nothing to do with Jonathan Taylor, but I'm just interested. I think Aaron Rodgers, I think they did all this BS to try to get the Jets to not implode. What the hell do you think is going on with Aaron Rodgers, who pretty much yesterday backed off plane? What do you think What do you think happened here over the last few weeks? I just want your opinion on it. I mean, did he tear his Achilles? Did he not? What's going on there? It's ridiculous. Oh,
3: yeah. yeah, he definitely tore it. Uh, you yeah, know, Neil Elitrosh, uh, who works with Steve Chen. Uh, so, you know, one was in one uh, operating room, one was in the other. Um, it's one of those situations where, again, because of the advances we've seen, if you told me Brock Bowers was going to come back in 30 days, right. six weeks from this, I would be like, wow, that's kind of aggressive. 26 days and playing high level in a game, he looks great. Uh, Rogers had a surgery, again, that's relatively new the advances and he was willing this. look if you or i have a surgery then we go to pt what two three times a week this guy's doing it basically eight ten hours a day uh again he's using really advanced techniques like blood flow restriction uh that allow people to do things much quicker uh you get strength gains like double the rate so I still haven't seen him do things. We've seen, we've seen him walk out on the field. We've seen him throwing. But we haven't seen something that actually stresses the, uh, the, the, the Achilles itself. Uh, I tweeted at Pat McAfee the other day. I was like, just to have Aaron Rodgers jump once. <laughs> if we could see that, we'd know how well he was doing. Um, but did he tear his Achilles? Absolutely. Are we going to see other people on this same timeline? Absolutely. Again, there's not a ton of downside for him. I just don't understand why he would want to do it with that line. Uh, I'm not so much worried about his Achilles because he's basically got a big piece of Kevlar holding it together. I'm worried about his head and his neck and his ribs and everything else behind that line.
6: Hmm. All
1: right. well, last one and going back to the Colts, Anthony Richardson now a little over a month removed from his shoulder surgery, as you (laughs) mentioned, in L.A. Neil Elitraj doing it. Uh, He has now left L.A., began his rehab there. We saw him On the sideline Sunday, you know, a a pretty big sling still on that right arm, right shoulder area. What does, you know, whatever, four to six weeks post-surgery look like for Richardson rehab-wise, and what is upcoming for him?
3: It's, it's not going to be a short one, but again, this is the same sort of technique. You know, Elitrush used uh, two brand new, yeah, not brand new, techniques, uh, but you know, 10 years ago, this would have been a career ender for him. You could not repair a severe AC and CC sprain like this. Uh, but now, again, using tightrope, they were able to put it together. They used a, a screw called a dog bone. Uh, again, same company, Arthrex, that developed it, and they put his shoulder back together, and then he spent four weeks. And this is the part that doesn't get talked about a lot um, that, you know, Neil Elitrash does amazing surgery. Steven Shin does an amazing surgery. Uh, both uh, of them are likely to see Heather Milligan, who is one of the top PTs in the country and works with most of Neil Elitrash's patients. So the work she did in those first couple weeks uh, are absolutely amazing. And people probably know Heather better because one of his patients, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, they've
6: been dating for like 10 years.
0: Oh, look at that. Oh, that's a nice little tidbit. How about that? that <laughs> no, like, sounds very Hollywood-like. It does. Will? How about that? That's great.
1: Yeah, that is mm-hmm. great
0: stuff. Uh, uh, Will,
1: can make it up. Again, uh, it, very intelligent, grim reaper. That's what we're going to describe Will Carroll as <laughs> moving forward. It's at The Injury Expert on Twitter. And again, under the knife over on Substack. Will, thank you, man. Thanks a lot, guys. Will Carroll, Payless Slickers Hotline. Darling, look on my shoulder. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Very good, oh, Mark Dighton. Goodness.
0: I thought that was great stuff. That
4: was really I was insightful. Gra-
1: no, you always
0: learn something. I no, mean, I- him and
1: Steve Chin, uh, the doctor reportedly performing the surgery on Taylor, clearly had some sort of interaction here. Um, so that is interesting to hear about the timeline. And you know, when you hear the two to three weeks, and Will thinking that's a little bit, and again, to be accurate with... The Ursa quote to James Boyd, I believe the word hope was in there. Hope was there, we right. We hope it is two to three weeks. That's why the injured reserve, which would be at least four weeks, has not been ruled out. Now, again, I don't think the culture in a situation where they desperately need the roster spot so much that they should place Taylor on injured reserve. But I guess now the question becomes this, Andy. How does the timetable of Chris Paul, Drew Brees, Mike Trout, how does that relate to an NFL running back? You know Steph Curry and Chris Paul, they use that right hand and right thumb. You could make the argument they might use it more in a sporting event than Taylor, but obviously Taylor uses it in a much more of a violent manner. Yeah, they don't have as, they do
0: have as much contact. with you know, they're not stiff
1: arming, and guys are you know trying to get the ball out, and you know do you only carry it in your left hand? So um, it's very interesting to watch. You know, it doesn't seem like, and maybe we do, but it doesn't seem like we have an obvious kind of NFL comp at running back. Whereas in Trout and Breeze and Curry and Paul, you know those are guys that obviously need their hands performing at a very high level, but different sports. It's
0: just frustrating. I mean, that's what I go back to. It's just frustrating, you know. Oh, I mean, JT's on the side of the building. You're he's play. He's starting to play the best football he's played, and you have a three game winning streak. I mean, we walked in here Monday. It's as good of a colt. I mean, the Colts. A Colts fan has felt it's been how many years. Since they felt the way they felt on Monday after the Tampa Bay game, right? Yeah, I, I still think you got some of that
1: in December 2021. Now, yeah, it,
0: that's it, probably it, right. 2021, yeah. It quickly evaporated, but, you know... That, but you that, had that excitement going into the final couple weeks of the season. Yeah. And this a is different excitement.
1: I don't think this is necessarily like, you know, you're going to get in the dance and make noise. It's that last year was such an utter embarrassment thank the Lord it's not there and now the optimism moving forward is there and the light at the end of the tunnel is there and Shane Steichen as the future head coach you feel very good about obviously Anthony Richardson as long as everything checks in the health department you feel good about that as well Uh, but you know I, I still think like Taylor is a it is a notable loss but I still think you know beating Tennessee and Nashville is very doable Mm-hmm. you know
0: beating Cincinnati at home is very doable I mean I'm trying to decide I'm trying to decide how it's affecting the next like I I have Taylor missing three games is that unfair at least? I mean, come on, three three games, I mean, he's he's having surgery this week, so essentially be like two and a half weeks from surgery is what I have him missing. And I have no idea. Maybe he's back in a couple games, maybe it's longer, maybe they lose some games here and they're like, you know what, we're going to put him on the shelf, that sort of thing. I, I, I don't know what the outcome is going to be here, but I'm trying to figure out, you know, they need to win four more games, right? Like we agree with that. They need to get to ten wins. They need to be four and two in the final six games. And Jonathan Taylor goes a long way in In lengthening your margin for error against some not so good teams. And Tennessee and the Bengals, with their injuries, T. Higgins, Joe Burrow, and others, you know, they have defensive injuries as well. Uh, Jonathan Taylor helps you beat those teams. And he just. Taylor just means more to the Colts because, A, he's a great player. It's not only that. You mentioned in our number one, the next-gen stats, how many more yards he gets, um, basically like after contact or yards that aren't even blocked for him. But it's just the fact that they have that they have a lack of weapons, right? That they aren't flush with all these weapons that some other teams have. That makes him even more valuable. It's one reason they gave him the three-year deal. So it's just frustrating. That's what it is. If you're a Colts fan, it's just frustrating. You hope it's two. Th- you hope it's two weeks. I kind of think it's going to be three.
1: Yeah, and I will add this. We mentioned it earlier in the show. If you look at the remaining schedule and the importance of these three games. um, basically playoff odds can fluctuate obviously with a win or loss week in and a week out. The most important game the rest of the season is the season finale right now. If you look at the analytics site, uh, it's a 39% difference of making the playoffs versus missing the playoffs, whether you beat Houston in the final game of the season or you lose them. That's the biggest game, one way or the other, shifting-wise, the rest of the year. Two, three, and four on that list, Andy, are the next three weeks. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, Tennessee's at 29%. Cincinnati's also at 29%. And then Pittsburgh, which is the third game of this three week span, that's at 36%. So, you know, when you view some of these games, like the Falcons game on Christmas Eve, that's at 19% because it's an NFC game. It doesn't have as much meaning. Still, obviously, meaningful, but not as much. So, uh, that is something um, to mention as well. Uh, and by the way, one more game for Grover Stewart. I know some people have asked that. He is out again This Sunday. All right, we'll continue this conversation. Talk some Pacers coming up in the nine o'clock hour.
0: A lot of Jonathan Taylor conversation. Appreciate Will Carroll joining us. Stephen Holder as well. Been a busy eight o'clock hour here on the Fan. You miss any of that? Check out the Podcast Center one zero seven five thefan dot com. Can you give me a second here uh, to just. a smile and revel in something, KB? Nope. Is that something that's okay? As long as you aren't basking about South Carolina's win over Notre Dame. I, uh, I, did, I actually did watch some of that. Watch a lot of college basketball. Hung in there for
1: 30 minutes. Purdue looked great.
0: Kentucky looked pretty good. Uh, Mississippi State and Alabama both lost in the ACC-SEC uh, Challenge. Uh, Bobby Petrino got hired back on at Arkansas. I I, that, I love the SEC. Thank so much. you, thank you. There's so many people high and mighty about it. I'm like, his scorn lovers let him back in the bedroom. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> Louisville did it. Arkansas's doing it. God bless them. Yeah, I I absolutely
1: yes. I absolutely love that whatsoever. <laughs> that that's awesome. The picture of him in the neck
0: brace, the picture of him
1: looking like he's, nah, he's in. Well, he's
0: back. We ruined him. They were like a 9 10 win. I mean, he was like one of their best coaches. They were competing with the very best. He lied, is, disgraced, got is fired. Sam
1: Pittman is at the head coach? So, well, yeah.
0: Sam Pittman kept his job. Which, so he'll
1: be fired by mid October. No, that means yeah. we'll get Bobby P. as the interim.
0: But t- well, I thought AM might do that. And I was hoping that they would, and they did not. Well, they're not real SEC. Arkansas is real SEC. You're damn right they are. They were in that Pac 12, or not Pac 12, Big 12 we'll pick over Suey. there. How great is that of a story? It's so great. Absolutely love
1: that. (laughs) Uh, On the other side, Pacers Conversation
0: with Tony East. So KB got a text. We have something we can tease here. Coming up in about a half an hour, our pop quiz. Not only are you going to have that chance to, to win that oil change, what, two tickets to Butler and Texas Tech. How about that?
1: Six thirty tomorrow night. Good, good game inside of Hinkle, Texas Tech. Five and one on the year. The one loss is to Villanova. They did beat uh, Michigan uh, in the Bahamas uh, late last week. So um, I think pretty quality yeah That's good. There yeah, for the and a Big East Big Twelve battle. I, I, I forget exactly what it's called nowadays, but uh, <laughs> part of that. So. Uh, Always a great night inside of Hinkle Fieldhouse and looks like a pretty quality opponent for Butler. Again, Butler so far this year, we saw them lose to Michigan State pretty substantially. Uh, but then they played Florida Atlantic, really tough for forty minutes, and they came back and they beat Penn State and mm-hmm. Boise State. Boise State made the tournament last year, yeah. so much much better from Thad Mata here. That's a big game. It's a bunch early in the season uh, compared to where they were at last. Yeah, year.
0: you know, being a home game, that's like a swing game, right? Like if yeah. you're going to have a pretty good season, that's the kind of game uh, that you can win. So Texas Tech and Butler again will have uh, two tickets to give away during the pop quiz. There, all right. Let's let's keep it going. Pacer conversation. Uh, we'll take a break on the. JT uh the JT the JT injury we'll take a break on that and go to Tony East. We'll talk some Pacers with him Sports Illustrated lock on Pacers. Tony, good morning, man. How are you?
2: I'm excellent,
0: guys. How are you doing? Uh, we are fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. I guess let's start here. Are you a uh, you know glass half empty or full with this team? 9-7, and seven, they've given away some games. The Portland game, uh, obviously, the other night really, really sticks in everyone's crawl. How do you view them as a 9-7 and seven team with uh, the next three? Not going to be easy. Two against Miami and then home with Boston for the in-game tournament. They're the in-season tournament.
2: Yeah, I would have said half full had they beaten Portland, but their, that loss and their tonal change after it was kind of revealing. And it's not even necessarily that I don't think they're playing well. I hate, I hate to use an NCAA term, but their resume, right, if, if, if they were playing for a tournament spot, it's pretty good. They're 9-7, and seven, which is better than most people had them through, or about what people had them through 16 games. They've beaten Philly. They've beaten Cleveland twice. They've beaten Milwaukee. Right? They have good wins. They clearly have a very high peak. But their inconsistency has been maddening. Now even you know, through internally we can see it. During their post-game media sessions on, on Monday, everybody was very frustrated. They lost that game to the Blazers, and they did it to themselves. Right? It's not even like Portland necessarily ran that hot or did something unsustainable. Yeah, Jeremy Grant was great, but they just they couldn't score. They turned it over at season-high 20 times. They couldn't make any threes. They just played really bad. And that's right after losing to Toronto by one at home, which was right after getting smoked by the magic on their home floor. So they have quite a few crummy losses, and the way that they have talked about them I think is correct, right? They need to be winning these games if they want to be the team that they say they want to be. They have the talent to do it, but losing four of them in a 16-game span at home this early in the season I think has them even thinking, okay, we've got to – we got to be better. We've got to have more energy. We've got to play better. And I think we'll see how they respond to that. But that Portland one was a backbreaker. That's a yep. fourth close home loss to a, to a team that they feel like they should have beat.
1: He's the great Tony East. He's with us here on the Payless Slickers Liquors Hotline. Uh, Tony, I want to go back to something that you had over the weekend. And I want to make sure I have this right. Because when I heard it, I had an audible gasp. Um, <laughs> I believe that you had said that... And this is maybe right before the Detroit game so obviously some games have happened since that the Pacers were allowing 6 more shots at the rim than any other team in the NBA. Is that correct?
2: At the time correct the match that never shoot threes, so if anything, the number might be higher, now. Yeah, I'll check it out while we're talking.
1: So six more shots at the—that is, like, such an astonishing number to me of, like, okay, there you know, six layups, quote-unquote. Obviously, some of those are more contested than others, more than any other team in the league. And again, I, I think this is kind of by design, right? I was hoping you could a little bit go into, like, what they're trying to do defensively. And I think for the most part, it's we run everybody off the three-point line— and we'll give up layups if it means you're not shooting a bunch of threes.
2: Yeah, so as it says, now, ooh, I was wrong. It's five and a half now, Kevin. So, uh, small improvement, I suppose, of Gosh. opponent shots from less than five feet. So, they're first, opponents are taking 40.1 per game inside five feet. The Hawks are second, 34.6, right? So, it's a big difference. And, yeah, some of it is strategic and some of the per game number is that they play so fast that there's a couple more just naturally shots per game but yeah they are trying to prevent three point attempts from their opponent right Carl I was on with you guys talking about their scheme right and Orlando's doing the same thing it's working really well for them they have a lot of, of good sized guys they're doing better protecting the rim I think that's a big difference from the Pacers, but even Orlando is, you know, trying to coax similar shots. So it's really interesting to kind of see how that's all shaking out. The Magic in the top half of the league and shot attempts allowed from inside five feet, but the Pacers are giving. I mean, we've known this for years, right? They've talked about it. Their biggest issue defensively is they can't stay in front of guys. They're allowing drives all the time, and the defense has to rotate or slide over for help or just do something to try to stop someone that's somebody else's man all the time, right? I vividly remember this basket. Uh, the Portland game. Jeremy Grant beat his man, got to the rim. Miles Turner came over from the weak side. Great block by Miles. Saved the bucket. But then, Miles Van Aiden just took one step to the left and grabbed an easy offensive rebound and scored. And that basket never happens if the initial drive isn't so easy for Portland. But that's something the Pacers have struggled with. They talked about this in training camp. They were trying to work on it. They were doing one-on-one drills. They are talking about guard your yard every day. But they do not have the best personnel for some like that. And I think it's Really killing them. And, and a part of it's strategic, and I think their lack of giving up three point attempts has helped them in some games, but on some other nights when teams are just pounding the rim against them all night, it's really kind of hurt them.
1: Tony, how would you evaluate Bruce Brown through a month?
2: Uh, you know, I feel like a lot of fans have been really down on what he's done. Like, he has the hardest matchup every night, regardless of who it is. If it's a six foot nine player, he's had the hardest matchup, I think he's done well enough defensively. It's just kind of strange, right? Like, every game he he feels like shoots 45% and has 12 points, five rebounds, and four assists, right? And that's a really solid impact kind of player to have. He just doesn't make, like, outside of the Detroit game, we hit a bunch of steals in the fourth quarter. A ton of massive momentum-swinging plays, or, like, a, their defense is so bad that they haven't made, like, a ton of stops in a row. So he's not, like, making these... Giant momentum grabbing plays, and I, I think that over the course of a game, when players don't do that often, it kind of you can kind of lose their impact on a possession by possession basis. But he's still really important for them. I mean, Rick clearly turns to him in a lot of important moments for a lot of important matchups for a reason because he is maybe their best premier defender, and they've also valued him definitely as a ball handler with their second groups. Like Andrew Demhard's paired with him a lot just because they need ball well handling in creation with their new bench, especially. So I think he's been fine. But, you know, it's just in an environment where he's the highest paid guy and is being asked to kind of change their entire fortune defensively, I don't think he has quite the talent level to do all of that, even though I do think he's been pretty good.
0: Tony East with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline, follows the Pacers SI, locked on Pacers, many different places. Uh, you can go ahead and find his work. Benedict Matherin, how worried are you? How worried should we be uh, taken out of the starting lineup? To me, it just signifies, hey, you're not trading Buddy Heald. <laughs> he ain't going anywhere uh, <laughs> right now. Should we be worried? Are you worried about Matherin here early on in the season?
2: Not worried. You know, I, I I was surprised they did that switch, right? Because a big part of this season to me was trying to figure out or at least nurture and grow the Tyrese Halbert and benedict Mather backcourt, that right? That's maybe their long-term backcourt. We'll see, like you just said, it, what Heald's long-term future is. Clearly they realize that Heald's value is better when he's with Tyrese and he's a better player. And, hey, that's been right so far. He's been excellent since being put back in the starting five. Like he got nominated for Player of the Week in the East last week because – I don't think he missed a three the whole week. I know he did, but it felt like he didn't. So, clearly it was a smart move to to up Buddy's level and get him in the lineups that work. As for Ben, though, I mean, now he's not playing with Tyrese as much, and maybe that can be good. The stuff he's good at, you know, catching, sizing up a defense, attacking the rim, he can do more with the lineups he's with now. But I think you'd rather, if you're the Pacers, continue to try to develop him within the system that you have. And I think Rick Carlisle has talked about that, really well all season just in terms of how they're trying to develop him as a player just because right, last year doesn't matter. What he was good at last year does not matter to them. What he needs to be good at is playing the way they want to play now, which means you know a laser focus on defense and
5: you know, awesome
2: on defense in the Detroit game and not so great in the Portland game. And you know keeping the ball moving right when he catches it and making decisions and sizing it up before the catch so the ball doesn't stop as much. Right? So it's a totally different skill set for him that he's kind of growing, and even though he already has a solid base of, like, rim attacking and getting to the line and stuff like that, so I do still believe in his skills if he came to the line at the level he could last year is so rare, right? So I just think it's going to take time to blend the player that they want him to be and the player that he is, and maybe that doesn't even happen, you know, for this season because it's hard. He's a second-year player. He's in a whole new role this year, but uh, I don't think I'm worried per se. I just think that, you know, I think – the expectation for a lot of young players is they'll just naturally be better but his role has changed so much and what he's being asked to do is way different and I think that that's kind of changed the outlook for him from year one
1: too Tony East is with us obviously you can find his work at SI.com Locked on Pacers a great daily listen uh, for the Indiana Pacers uh, Tony is a must must follow so yesterday Tony um, G League action for the first round picks that would be Jarris Walker uh, 20 points 7 of 13 shooting 4 assists couple steals a block Ben Shepard six of 15 from the floor he had 18 points um what do you think needs to happen for Jarris Walker to earn a consistent role with the big guys uh, big guys what a dumb phrase <laughs> with the Pacers at some point this season and I guess is it more of just he's not used to guarding this personnel or the system's too complicated
2: Yeah, it's just way faster, right? And I'll say this for every rookie. I say it before the season every year. Like, rookies suck at defense. Like, every single one of them. There's like the rare Walker Kessler, Anthony Davis, you know, oh, this guy's an impact player right away. But that's like one every three years maybe. But even when Benyama hasn't had the defensive impact, people thought. So part of it's just that is he's not going to – like, he will – they, they value him for his defense, and I think he will be a good defender. You can see in these G-Day games how good his instincts are on that end, right? After he makes a play or tries to make a play, he always gets right back into position and is locked in on what he needs to do. Like, that is encouraging, and they do run similar schemes with the Mad Ants and the Pacers, but it's way different. If the players are better, it's faster, it's just harder. There's a reason that no rookies he's a good defensive player. So, I keep seeing people say, oh, the Pacers take a defense – they should play Jairus Walker. Well, I don't think that would help their defense. I do think it would help maybe develop him faster, but that's not what they're kind of about, right? We've heard all season from Carlisle, from players that you got to earn your minutes on this team, and I don't think Jairus has now, and it's their whole earn it deal falls apart if you hand the minutes to one young guy just because he's young. So that structure has to kind of be what it is, and Maybe he will earn at some point in the season. Maybe their goals will change. Maybe somebody will get hurt, right? Who knows what's the deal with Jalen Smith right now, but, like, that already could change their front-court outlook. But as it stands, the best way to get him and Shepherd minutes and conditioning and allow them to work on defense and the speed of the NBA game is going to be the G League because it's just kind of tough with the Pacers setup right now.
0: This is for both of you, but you saw Jarris Walker, as the kids would say, quote, caught a body yesterday. He had dunked on some poor kid in the G League. So oh, that, did he? Oh, Yeah, boy. so that happened, yeah. But you seem very excited about that, K.P. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm with you on the G League stuff. I don't follow it that much. But I thought
1: Tony I, I, and... <laughs> Forgive me if you, if you just mentioned, but there's a huge chunk of the first-round picks that have
2: already played in the G League, right? It's like half of them, isn't it? They're one away from half of them wow. that had a G League assignment this year, yeah.
1: Yeah, I feel wow. like it used to be such like a negative view, oh, and now it's sure. just kind of how these guys get minutes. Uh, Tony, sure. last one from me. Um, I guess actually two, sorry. Um, <laughs> first would be, do you think Oscar Sheebly is this team's third center if Jalen Smith's going to miss time?
2: Yeah, probably. I mean, I bet they... Have to have him around just in case, like, if they play the Celtics or the Bucks again, like, they're going to need him in case there's foul trouble. But currently, it seems like their third center has been those OP top down at the five lineups. They did that in Philly and Atlanta. So, maybe they have him for emergencies. But I, I bet Carlisle would get creative before relying on Cheeway for a long stretch. We'll see. Yeah.
1: Okay, and then last one. We know Boston is the quarterfinal matchup here. Um, in the um, quarterfinals of the in-season tournament coming up Monday at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. If the pay- if they win, they go to Vegas for the semifinals, finals, consolation. If they lose, does that mean they would play the loser of Milwaukee and New
2: York? Oh, Kevin, you are honest. This makes me happy. I don't have to explain the whole tournament format. I can just say yes, <laughs> you are correct. If they beat Boston, they play the winner of Milwaukee and New York. And if they lose, they play the loser and they don't play in Vegas. They'll either play in Indy or at the loser's house.
1: Got it, but we don't know when or where that would be.
2: Correct. It's possible that it could like it could shake out that the Pacers get an extra air quotes home game. Right, if they lose and the Bucks who are also hosting lose, then they'd have to decide which one of those teams gets the extra home game. But. It, uh, yeah, it, they, that is how the format will
6: work. Okay.
0: So I know what's going on there. Tony was on yesterday with Jake, and uh, Jake has him explain the tournament every time to him. <laughs> I, so I, Tony I, has to do that every single time he goes on with him. I think the <laughs> tournament
1: is not as confusing as a lot of people have kind of chalked it up to be. But I did think last night with the point differential, Tony, it, it, it did get a little wacky there late.
2: It, it's interesting because they've compared it to soccer style, right, with, with the point differential and group stage. And I agree that that's a good idea. But soccer is like 1-0, 2-1, right? So The, <laughs> the differential is really easy to follow because it's like 1 or 2. It's not like 30, and every team is chasing somebody who's plus 34. Like, it's it makes it way different when you have to blow out a team versus just, like, score an extra goal. So, I thought it was really interesting. Like, I was dialed into some games I wouldn't have normally, but obviously without having – all the information and having to do research before a game start every night. That was well complicated.
0: I mean, it was fantastic. We talked about hour number one. Billy Donovan was mad because the Pacers are not the Pacers. <laughs> the Celtics needed to win by more than 23, right, Tony? Yeah. And so they yeah. went, they went hack a Andre Drummond who shoots like 47% <laughs> from the free throw line and he was up there clanking free throws. The Celtics <laughs> fouled and in a blowout win played their starters to the very end. I mean, I, I don't know. It's kind of what the NBA wanted. You, you had... You know, and I know Billy Donovan wasn't happy. He's whining about, well, you know, it puts Andre Drummond in a bad spot. I'm like, dude's been in the NBA for a decade. It's he's shooting forty percent from the free throw line. Like, what are you supposed to do? Come on. I liked it.
2: I'm with you. I even think in games where point differential doesn't matter, dude. Suck it up. Like (laughs) you're playing in the NBA. Play. (laughs) Get some stops. There are fans here who want to see points, like they're gonna do it. But I, I understand why players feel the way they do as well. I thought that was extra funny because Jason Tatum earlier this week was complaining about the, the teams running up the scores, but then his team had to do it. So they did, but it's just how it is. They wanted to make it and they did. And that's a tough drop for the Pacers who, by the way, one quirk will now have to play the Celtics, the best team in the league, five times this season wow. because of how this broke out.
1: Yeah, again, I think if you want to nitpick a little bit, um, that is okay. You know, what's that look like come March and April? I tend to fall on the side, Tony, of this team needs to experience these games. Like they, they need more of these. I mean, that's that atmosphere. I brought it up to. To uh, Andy earlier, April 21st, 2019. That is the last time Gamebridge Fieldhouse yeah. has hosted a playoff wow. game. Monday's going to be the closest thing we've had since then.
2: Yeah, the players have talked about how, well, the ones who can relate to it, have talked about how it feels like a playoff atmosphere, which is great. And, like, I've been at both home games. Like, it does it does feel more intense, and it's been, they're been really fun games. Um, but, yeah, if, if it helps them at all be ready when that time does come this year, whether that plan playoffs, whatever. That's significant, right? So that that's good experience for them and credit to the league. Like players clearly care about these games and are trying. So I think the atmosphere next Monday will be extremely fun with a great team in town.
1: Tony, great work as always, man. Uh get some rest and we'll talk to you coming up, uh, probably sometime in December.
2: Yeah, guys. Thanks.
1: Tony East, Payless Liquors, Hotline. This right here from Charlie. Do the Pacers miss Daniel Tice now? Are you is there a
0: revisionist history? Yeah. We, we brought up Zach not Moss with Taylor. Not quite there. Not quite yeah. there. But I, I can understand. It's a valid question. Even though, listen, there could it, be. We Pacer don't know fans. how long Jalen Smith's out. It, to exactly. Be yeah. I mean, Pacer fans could feel that way. I'm not going to hate them. On, I hate on them if they feel that way. You know what? It also does besides the soccer. Uh, you know, point differential and everything else. It reminds me a little bit of like the net rankings in the NCAA. You know, to make the tournament, the the kind of fake rankings that are used, but we don't know exactly how they get there. Like, remember when the remember when Buzz Williams a couple years ago. Did everything he could to win a game by double figures. He's the guy I wanted to sleep on his stomach. Mark, is that right?
1: Sweaty Buzz Williams. Uh-huh. Yeah, he wanted to sleep on his stomach. I, I, his stomach at oh. one point in his life looked like it'd be a pretty comfortable stomach to rest your head.
4: You on. give me like oh, five okay. minutes, I'll dig that out. That was a that was a low point in the show's history. We've got a lot of things coming up here. We've got. a no, I'm check sure down we can make get time. To get
0: to it. And by the way, four pack of tickets. Oh my god. Okay,
1: here we Butler, go. To Butler, Texas. Tech. So this is pack. no two-pack action we're going four-pack
0: giveaway on the pop quiz to hinkle tomorrow night i don't know if you care but uh first take or what's his get up excuse me get up they have dominique foxworth and jeff saturday uh they did they do this thing where they go fact or fiction and while Uh tony east was talking i just looked up they asked the question are the colts done now that jonathan taylor is injured going to miss a few weeks dominique foxworth said fiction so there you go. There's a little ESPN update now, for you. Now, is that
1: the show that Ursay called one of the girls ugly? I, no,
0: I think that and was... And that f-
1: Mother Dorothy first would... That was first that take. That was first take.
0: That was Stephen A. and his crew. Do we yeah. know who Ma- the woman was? Well, it was Molly. All right? Molly, Molly who? Uh, uh, Kiram? Is that what her name I'm not familiar with her. You don't know Molly? No. Should I? Yeah. Would you label her as ugly? No. Okay. <laughs> no. She was married to Jalen Rose. Oh, wow. Jeez. How do you not know that? You don't know who Molly is? I mean, I've got Woo! zero, yeah. zero you, you never, pop culture. You uh, never I, peek up there to first take? I Well, I, I've got to crane my neck. Well, my TV well, is
1: broken here. Well, your TV's your oh, Your TV still out? That's too bad. Uh, I have Googled Molly <laughs> Quorum, if I'm saying that correctly. I can't uh, believe you don't know her. I would not label her ugly. No. no at all. No. Not sure You're if I funny. agree with Jim Mercy on that one. <laughs> I like Buzz Williams. He just looks like a guy you like to, you know,
4: rest your head on his tummy. Okay. That was a very odd way to end the segment. <laughs> There's,
1: There's Jake more, in the but... background. I think I picked Texas A&M to get on a
0: run, and that did not happen. He is very sweaty. The best buzz is Virginia Tech. He's trying versus- to scroll through Ursay's Twitter I'm to sure, find the I'm ugly sure. comment. There's like seven. Here. It's like, He's got a lot of high school football oh tweets God. trying to drown out. This is like six seven years ago. He won a game at Virginia with. He was on Virginia Tech. If you remember, he coached at Virginia Tech. I think after Seth Greenberg, he coached. And they went on the road, and they beat Virginia, okay? It's a big game. Virginia Tech at Virginia. And they won. And you know how he always wears those vests? Oh, yeah.
3: He's got, like, a three-piece suit on.
0: He was doing like a jig at, at mid-court, like a dance. I do remember this. He was doing a dance, and it was live TV, and the announcers and ESPN were like, oh, well, you know, come over for his live TV. Come over for an interview. And he danced his way over like he was like his entrance music was playing. He danced his way over I, I remember this. to the ESPN set there that's right there. And the student section of West Virginia was right there behind him. And I thought these kids were going to physically attack buzz williams then you only have like one old like no offense but you have like a 70 year old security guard there that's what i love about college athletics (laughs) and bobby Petrino, you
1: know Uh, rest your head on his tummy
4: found the ursay tweet here i think he's talking about either molly Querum or uh kimberly martin as the and on first take Uh, okay the woman that preceded stephen
1: a how dare you pretend to know me I don't know your name, and I don't care to, mad face emoji, if my black mother Dorothy was still oh. alive, you'd be in some big, hot water. Oh, It was Kimberly Martin. You are mean and ugly.
0: Oh. You're a nothing burger. Oh. It was Kimberly Martin. She responded. I'm looking at oh, it she did. right now. She's on the show, I mean, a couple times a week. So I got 4,000 retweets and 10,000 likes. Ooh. It's a family member that has to tell Jim, "Hey, let's 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 change the password to Colts one two three maybe for the night." And
1: uh, yeah, and again,
0: I as I Google
1: Kimberly Kimberly Martin, I I would not label her ugly either on that end. Yeah, Yeah, um, it was Pete Ward needed to change the password there last week. (laughs) That was. A lot of people handle the Ursae Twitter account. I think we know who that was, was Friday night, right? On that, one. that was Friday night, I think wasn't it? Was it was Wednesday. I just, oh, yeah, I was, because we were off
4: the next day. I was day. going on
1: with JMV, like, right as all that was happening. Oh, it was great. Wednesday
4: because I, got, I drove to Illinois <laughs> I to I my parents' Elon, house. take it away. I yes. opened Twitter. I'm like, what in the hell is this? I was like, well, this is right before Thanksgiving. What's happening? Yeah. JMV drops that. So, what do you think of these tweets, KB? <laughs> Literally. I'm like, well,
1: <laughs> I think he is sending out <laughs> tweets right now that a lot of people at Brothers and Broad Ripple, where JMV was, would be sending out. You know, later that night of maybe some things you would regret. But I, oh I, man, you know, I guess credit
0: Ursa for not deleting them. You well, know, I, he, didn't, he, didn't, he,
1: he didn't play the hack card.
0: I always think if I had as much money as Ursay, would I be caring what people think? It's something I always think, and I don't know the answer to it because I never have that much money. Four pack of tickets to Butler, Texas
1: Tech. We're giving away that in a few minutes here on the Pop Quiz. Before that, let's start off the morning checkdown with how about the number one team in the land? <laughs>
2: The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.
0: Yeah, just like Kevin said, winners again. Purdue, they just keep moving on. Ninety nine sixty seven over Texas Southern. They didn't overlook them. Uh, not a surprise. And they covered the number. They go to 7-0 on the season. The number one team in the country. Matt Painter, postgame on the win. Yeah, I I thought our guys played well. I thought the difference in the game was the beginning of the second half, just kind of pushed the game out. I thought they made some, you know, three or four shots in the first half that were really tough, It kept it at 15. And then um, that
4: first five, six minutes, you know, really separated us in the the game. But I, I thought our guys were ready to go.
0: Next up for Purdue, the Big Ten play at Northwestern Friday. Catch that one, at 9 o'clock, Big Ten Network. That the late one.
1: line for Braden Smith 19 points, 10 assists, 9 rebounds there for Braden Smith here. Nick uh, is going to go with the justification on Jim Mercy's tweet. Maybe he means ugly inside as in horrible
4: person.
0: <laughs> I I think that's what he meant, but. For saying that they don't know him,
4: I'd be saying that's a pretty judgy yeah,
0: opinion yeah, if that's it's... the case.
4: Nothing like having to clarify. I don't know you. You don't know me, but you're ugly on the inside. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Nothing like
1: having to clarify Ursay tweets. (laughs) But uh, welcome to life right here. Uh, All right, speaking of Jim Ursay, he told The Athletic yesterday two to three weeks is the hope for missed time. On Jonathan Taylor. Um, so we'll await confirmation on that scheduled for surgery in Los Angeles uh, later today. We had Will Carroll on earlier. I thought some really good detail from Will. That'll be up on the podcast on what exactly the rehab looks like, the timetable could look like. I don't want to put words in Will's mouth, but Andy, correct me if I'm wrong, it sounded like he felt like two to three weeks maybe a tad optimistic. Mm-hmm. Aggressive, optimistic, yeah, sure. For Taylor, so... Uh, if he is going to miss three games, it would look like Tennessee this Sunday, at Cincinnati, and home to Pittsburgh.
4: One well, more. So, well, also, real quick, uh, could be an impact on the Colts going forward. Uh, Ty- Texans offensive lineman Titus Howard likely out for the season Ooh. with a knee injury. So, if Week 18 well, comes good. down to the. Uh, Playoffs. That could be a very significant injury. Yeah, final them. week of the year. <laughs> you know, week
1: 18. You, you bring up that Houston offensive line. You think back to that week two matchup with the Colts. I mean, they were decimated with injuries in that one. Titus Howard was banged up in that one. So, yeah, one of their young tackles there out for the year.
0: Yeah, last one for me. Shaq Leonard uh, left Dallas yesterday. No deal. He's in Philadelphia today. Those are the only two teams I've seen, right? Is there anybody else? Dallas and Philly? There's a brief Vikings mention, but it seems like visit-wise,
1: Cowboys and Eagles. Obviously, the Nick Sirianni connection with the Eagles. So, uh, we'll see how that one winds
4: up for... Shaq, Dude, and for you they, Indy Eleven fans, I've uh, parted ways with uh, Mark Lowry, manager. So I did
1: say Did he resign? Was that the official?
4: It says that they. Let me see if I can find the press. A mutual
1: parting of ways. Parted ways, a...
4: yes, with head coach Mark Lowry. Gotcha. No, Does David Tepper have
1: to pay him? <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, on the pop quiz, Scotty, by the way, thank you, Scotty, on the uh, Lair Overton audio from earlier today. That was very helpful in helping us out, uh, explain a little bit more of the win on the Jonathan Taylor injury could have occurred. But it's time for the pop quiz. Again, 4 pack of tickets to Butler and Texas Tech. That is a 6.30 tip tomorrow night
0: inside of Hinkle. Give us a call. We'll do that next. All right, a chance to not only win that oil change, but we have a four-pack it doesn't have to be your family, but a family four-pack. Butler, Texas Tech. If you hate your family, you can still go. You yeah, can just take take yeah, yeah, take your buddies. Yeah, take your buddies. Six thirty. What's that? Six thirty tomorrow 630, night. Six thirty. Hinkle Fieldhouse. That's a good game. That's a big have game. Have you been to Hinkle yet? Oh yeah. I mean, not since I've moved here, but I've been to Hinkle several times. Have you? Yes, you. Good, yes. Good, good. But I do need to go. I mean, that is the one thing. I was I was telling our boss David yesterday. I was like, that is the one thing. You know, having a baby now. You know, I can't just go to Hinkle tomorrow. Sure. <laughs> as easy yeah. as as yeah. easy as I would have, uh-huh. you know, right. you know, six months ago, just go to Hinkle and it's not a problem. Just live live a totally different life now. Let KB.
4: little gas ride blue for a little bit. Yeah, something.
0: there you go. That could be it. A little gas controls the schedule now.
1: Not <laughs> yeah. not Andy Sweeney. Yeah, not and, me and a, beer. And yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> don't don't control
0: the schedule if the way little they gas used to. is riding
1: blue around Hinkle. You <laughs> might need to have a couple of uh, beverages there. But always a fun time at Hinkle. Even a good game Saturday afternoon game. Yeah. On. That could be on the horizon yeah. for you, yeah. At some point, get a little sun shining in there through the windows. Oh yeah. At Hinkle. Uh, all right. At number one through eight, as we get this pop quiz. Uh,
0: let's go four. Caller number four, Mark. Jacob. Jacob. Good morning, Jacob. How are you today, sir? Hey. Good morning. I'm great. How are you guys? Fantastic. Jacob, you a Butler fan? Uh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Not not super
4: fan, but yeah, I definitely follow them.
1: Did you say that just so it sounds good <laughs> when you get the four pack of tickets? Yes, absolutely. Okay. All right there. Butler and Texas Tech tomorrow night at six thirty. Uh, I assume you've been to Hinkle before?
0: No, I have not. Ooh, look okay. At this.
1: Tell us more. Are you are you from here? Just uh, never been to a Butler game? Why uh why no Hinkle appearance?
0: Definitely from here. Grew up in Avon. Uh, went to IU. Uh, okay. So just always been a Hoosier fan for sure. Gotcha.
1: Well, it should be a fun atmosphere. Tomorrow night inside Hinkle Fieldhouse again. Thad Mata's bunch playing much better basketball than they were last season. Uh, a little deeper, too. Pierre Brooks, the transfer from Michigan State, had a really nice start. To the year, so congrats on that, Jacob. Andy, you want to throw number one his way?
0: Yeah, let's go. There's the music. All right, Jacob, let's do this. Number one, the Pacers. Uh, I don't have uh, the Pacers are one Was of. Is that the, a nervous? Uh, he almost seems like he's dreading yeah. the pop quiz. Yeah, like. I don't think he. I don't think he, he thinks he's going to do well. Uh, the Pacers are one of the four Eastern Conference teams to reach the quarterfinals of the NBA in-season tournament. Which of the following teams did not reach the quarter? Finals: the 76ers, the Celtics, the Knicks, the Bucks. Sixers. Whoa, look at that.
1: A good start. Gosh, this guy knows his in-season tournament. Jacob, what do you know about Avon golfer Patrick Rogers? Do you know anything? Uh, he was the grade below me uh, in the graduating class.
0: We played basketball together in AAU.
1: Nice. He was wow. a good basketball player as well. He's currently in Australia for the Australian Open here hmm. this week. All right, the number one seed, Jacob, in the Western Conference for the in-season tournament is whom? The Suns, the Kings, the Lakers, or the Pelicans?
4: I want to say Lakers.
1: Jacob, the NBA needs to hire you for your in-season tournament (laughs) knowledge. (laughs) Yeah, you
0: know. Like, literally, you know as much as anyone so far. Step aside, Richard Jefferson. Question question number three. Who currently leads the NBA in scoring average? Is it Kevin Durant, Joel, uh, Joel Embiid, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Luka Doncic? Oh, man. I'm going to say Luca. You sure? Hmm. No, I'm not at all. Let's go, Joe Allen Bede.
1: He was so good on the first two. I felt like he deserved that. He did. But I'm going to eliminate he thing here the rest of the way. All right. On this day in 1987, judging by where, uh, what grade you said you were at Avon, you weren't alive for this, Joe Montana of the 49ers set an NFL record by completing 22 straight passes. Montana's record has since been surpassed, and the current record of 25 is held by three quarterbacks. Which of the following QBs did not complete 25 consecutive passes in the NFL? Philip Rivers, Drew Brees, Nick Foles, or Ryan Tannehill?
0: Oh, man. Drew Brees. Jesus,
1: Lord, is he... Access to Scotty's computer?
0: Question number five. Happy 35th birthday to Denver Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson. I'm sweating. The Not no- because of Sierra and Russell Wilson, because <laughs> of this pop quiz. The nine-time Pro Bowl participant played three years of D1 baseball at NC State and was selected in the fourth round of the 2010 MLB draft. Which MLB team drafted Russell Wilson in 2010? Was it the Rockies, the Rangers, the Brewers, or the Yankees? I know nothing about baseball. I'm just going to go Brewers.
1: Jacob, you were nervous there at the beginning. Um, I guess if you're not nervous, you're not human. That was quite an impressive effort there. Let's see how he did. Number one, which of the following teams did not reach the quarterfinals of the in-season tournament? It was indeed the. the same. Yeah, uh, Andy. Number two, he <laughs> got that one right. The Lakers. The Lakers are the yeah. one seed. Correct. I didn't even know that. Out west, the NBA's leading scorer. It was a little bit of coaxing here. It's not Luka Doncic. He did then repath,
0: if you will, to Joel Embiid. Yeah. I was shocked he got number four right. It's kind of a trick question. Yeah, which of the following QBs did not complete twenty five consecutive passes? Uh the answer was Breeze, which he got right, but the other I ones see, thrown in there, yeah, Nick grit, Foles though. and Ryan Tannehill. Unbelievable. Yeah. Now Breeze has the record, Scotty, for highest
1: completion percentage in a game set against the Colts, correct? Actually Rivers does. Rivers has a higher one than Breeze? Ooh, against the Colts? Wow. For some reason I thought Breeze did in that Sunday night, Monday night game a few years ago. He was like twenty seven of twenty eight, something. Got it, got it. Scotty Sand Rivers uh, missed one
0: in a game. Breeze missed two. Uh, Andy, the last one. Yeah. Which NBA or which MLB team drafted Russ Wilson in 2010? The answer, Jacob. Sorry, it was the Colorado Rockies. You said the Brewers. You blew it! Mm-hmm. Rockies drafted him. Jacob. stand the line. Sand the line. stand the line. I will well, give.
1: It was. Uh, it was fun while it lasted. Well, he deserves more than that, Mark. <laughs> it was fun. Are you saying it wasn't fun? Scotty, I'm seeing 29 of 30 for Drew Brees against the Colts, 96.67%. That was December 16th, 2019. Boy, that was an ugly one. Monday Night Football. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say his only incompletion was like a swing pass out of the backfield or something.
0: <laughs> did, yeah, did Kamara drop it? Did someone drop it, or was it just pressure up the middle and he threw it out quick to the flat? Colts were you down remember?
1: 34. To, I, I think it was no pressure, to be honest with you. 34 nothing in that one until they got on the board via Jordan Wilkins' <laughs> touchdown with three minutes to go in that one.
0: I'm a fantasy football keeper. I know people don't care, but you draft free agents and rookies. Uh-huh. So it's basically a rookie draft. And I'm pretty sure I, I, I took Wilkins, like, fifth round. <laughs> I think he was on my team for a year or so. Really? Like, like when's this guy going to get his opportunity? Yeah, I did feel like when he got his moments, he, he had was a nice right, little yeah. run here. But yeah.
1: fifth round, gosh, often
0: well game. no, again, you're doing only you're you're drafting only rookies. Oh, So by it, the it, time it, you it, get yeah. to the fifth, fifth round, round. Yeah. yeah, it's a complete flyer on backup running backs and guys you you know, that you don't know what their you know, you don't know what their job is gonna be. You don't even know if some of them are gonna make the, the NFL or not. It's a
1: little bit more of a justification. Oh,
0: it's a total justification. Than, yeah, otherwise I'd be an idiot. Than that. Uh, all right, we'll do
1: one final time here. It's the wake up call with K B and Andy.
0: Yeah, final segment of the show. Appreciate you joining us this morning on the Wake Up Call. We always do. Again, if you miss Stephen Holder, you miss Tony East, Will Carroll, our injury expert, any of the Jonathan Taylor or Pacer uh, conversation, check it out, 107.5thefan.com. We'll uh, we'll jump back into uh, KB here in just a second. The JT, just a conversation. Such a bummer. Again, Stephen Holder told us at 1 o'clock today, going to have that surgery out in L.A., and we'll find out if that's going to be truly a two to three week injury, perhaps a little longer. We'll see exactly what that does with the playoff hopes of the Colts. Before we do that, uh, Joe Lenardi gave us some bracketology no, last boy. night. Do you care about such things? Of course hell you do. yeah! I it's college it. basketball it time. Uh, so no shock. The top overall seed, Purdue, not a, not a surprise whatsoever. Okay, we understand that. Uh, and just because they've done so, the 16 seeds. Now, he did have the no, playing geez. game. He did have Texas Southern, who they just beat by 30-some-odd points. What, 32, 33 points last night? Who lost to Farley Dickinson last year uh, Who the did, playing game. Uh, they would be in the playing game against Sacred Heart. I feel like there's a Sacred Heart in every state and city, so I have no idea which Doesn't Sacred Heart this like is. Doesn't it feel like
1: Sacred Heart is next on the bingo list? St. Peter's, Fairleigh Dickinson, Sacred, sacred, sacred heart. heart. They're the
0: pioneers Some in the NEC. Some field N-E-Z. hockey players <laughs> down to those three schools. Draining threes. Long Island right now. I just remember
4: that was the, nick- the name of the hospital in Scrubs was Sacred Heart. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, there you go. Dr. Again, Cox playing point guard. Again, there's sacred hearts everywhere. So. He's bringing Zach Eady away from the basket. So that's, Now, I assume that's an Indy, right? The first uh, two rounds? Da, 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 yes, that would be an Indianapolis. And where is the Sweet 16 Midwest? Is that. Oh, I need to look it up. I yeah. thought it was Detroit this year. I, I looked at it because I thought about buying pick, uh, tickets to Indianapolis. Mark, will you look that up? Regionals? Mm-hmm. Again, buy tickets to Indianapolis for Purdue and Kentucky fans so you can gouge them and uh, you know make some money. The 8-9 game would be UCLA and Florida. So that's who Purdue would play in the second round here Mick in Cronin. Indianapolis if they were to win. A oh, little Mick Cronin. I think UCLA might be a little bit better. We'll see if Florida makes, uh, makes the NCAA tournament. And then Indiana is uh, the next four out. So they're not even a first four out. So the first four out, Oregon, Iowa, NC State, Cincinnati. The next four out, Indiana, St. Mary's, New Mexico, and Virginia Tech. D- Detroit
4: so. is where the regionals are at. There Detroit.
0: you go. It's easy to get to. A little, little Caesars, Caesars Arena. Caesars drive. That's right.
4: Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. Insert your pizza-pizza jokes
1: here.
0: Uh, so the fifth team out, that would be Indiana right that now? That would be okay. Indiana, the fifth gotcha. team out. Uh, conference breakdown, the Big Ten, six teams. Uh, the leaders, Big 12 with 10, SEC 8, Big Ten, Big East 6, ACC 5. That's- I do
1: want to toss this question when Greg Gregshaw joins us here coming up on Friday. But, and I know Ball State lost last night. Um, And I think that Indiana State, I thought Indiana State won last night, but it's been a really nice start to the non-conference for Ball State, Indiana State, and Evansville. That was on the pop quiz yesterday, Evansville being the undefeated team right now so far. Uh, And I want to throw that to Rake of like, is this just smart scheduling in the Mm -hmm. month of November by some of these programs? Or do we have a legit, you know, possible mid-major team? Scotty, correct me if it, it there certainly just chime in here on what year it was. When's the last time we've had a mid-major from the state of Indiana in the tournament? Uh, it, listen, if, if Scotty gets this, I will be surprised. And I don't know this, by the way, but when is the last time that we have had... It Would it have been... Oh, man. I mean, boy, I'm really trying to think here. I mean, it, it, and I'm talking here, not Butler, obviously. I'm talking Fort Wayne... Ball State, Valpo, IUPUI, Indiana State, Evansville. Boy, I, I can't.
0: We'll to come back to that one tomorrow with 7.01. Yeah. That's yeah. how we'll open the show, regardless if uh, JT is, you know, if, if there's an update that he's done for the year, it doesn't matter. we got to find out Valpo? the answer. I, I guess it would be Valpo just because you remember their big shots in the tournament a couple different times. But I have no idea. But I always, you know, enjoy that. I mean, honestly, you know,
1: Andy, a team like uh, what Northern Kentucky, right, has been representing the North. Um, So that'll be something. uh, We'll toss Rakes away and uh, keep. How much college
0: basketball did you watch last night? It was Uh, like the first night. I really watched like a ton of games. I was locked in on Notre Dame
1: South Carolina. How did that go? Uh, We hung in there for thirty minutes, and then South Carolina ran away.
0: Yeah, big uh, like a big flurry in the game. It doesn't game. look like you can score fifty three points. That's uh, that's not Just good in college basketball. Brutal.
1: And Michael Shrewsbury was so blunt. He's like, I don't know if I should say this, but if you basically <laughs> physically guard us, we will wilt. Ugh. I'm like, well, I appreciate the candor, but yeah. Uh, and there, yeah, it looked like at one point, you know, it looked like grown men versus a bunch of eighteen and nineteen year olds, and that's what. Notre Dame is.
0: I, I was surprised. I mean, just quickly, I, I was surprised Clemson. I mean, they walked into Alabama and won that game by eight. You know, I, Clemson's 6-0. I don't give them too much respect. Now, but Purdue plays Alabama coming up here. They do. I mean, Purdue a couple should, weeks. They should take care of Alabama. I, and they're a
1: fringe top 25
0: team, right? Yeah, I mean, Alabama's 23. They have a couple losses. They'll probably drop out of the top 25 next week. I watch a lot of that Kentucky game. Kentucky absolutely blasted Miami. It's a- been a good blasted. start to the year for Kentucky, right? Right, considering yeah, where they were preseason expectations? Yeah, yeah, I mean, they here's the problem that Kentucky's always had. They've always been ranked so high in the preseason that they never reached that expectation the last several years. I tend to think that this is a little bit of a different Kentucky team. Their guard play and wing play is good and it's deep. Now, the issue they had last night, DJ Wagner went down with an ankle foot injury Looking like he's probably going to miss a couple games with that. Shouldn't be long-term, but there was initial fear he might broke his foot. And he went down kind of in an awkward way, but... They're loaded, and I don't know how much you follow this, but Reed Shepard, whose dad's Jeff Shepard. Sure, yeah, he's che- been
1: tearing it up, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, Reed Shepard was supposed to be one of those guys that was going to be good, but you would categorize him as a three- or four-year player, and I didn't think he was going to play this much as a freshman, and he might be their best player. Like, like legit, he might be their best player. He had 21 off the bench, 21-5-4, and four, averaging like three steals a game. Had a block. I don't know. He's been really, really good. So if they get – they have three seven-footers. If they can get one of them back, I mean, Kentucky, this could be a different Kentucky team. So I I watched a ton of them. Uh, LSU's terrible this year. I didn't ex- not expect that. Syracuse and then Chris Beard six and zero. I don't know how much you guys have talked about Chris Beard, but you know Chris Beard going to Ole Miss truly one of the bad jobs in college basketball. They won by twenty last night over NC State, and again his former former team Texas Tech
1: that will be Butler's opponent coming up tomorrow night inside of Hinkle. Uh, Purdue and in Indiana. You know the Big Ten adopted this a few years ago. Get a couple Big Ten games in in the Mm -hmm. month of December. So for Purdue, that stretch will be at Northwestern. That's a 9 o'clock tip, by the way, Friday night. Indiana-Purdue actually a doubleheader coming up on Friday night. So Purdue's at Northwestern, obviously the first true road game of the year. Northwestern's had a decent start to the year. Boo Booey, one of the better guards in the Big Ten. Again, uh, Brooks Barnheiser, the Lafayette native. Uh, has had a very nice second season as well. Um, and then IU will be Maryland. That is a home game. Maryland has not been good. Mm-hmm. Former Hoosier Jordan Geronimo, that is where he transferred. Um, so that's your Friday night. Purdue will then take on Iowa on Sunday. Indiana, their second Big Ten game will come early next week against Michigan. Uh, then as we look ahead, you, you still got the IU-Auburn game in Atlanta. That's that neutral Neutral game in uh, in Atlanta against Bruce Pearl's bunch. And then, as we mentioned, Purdue and Bama in Toronto. Scotty says, we have an answer here. A couple people on Twitter had mentioned Indiana State in 2011. Thank okay. you to Tanner. Thank you to Bailey for that. Uh, that was as a 3-14 against Syracuse.
0: Scotty says Valpo in 2015. Is that it? There you go. Valpo 2015. So well, we threw it out there and they found it. Nine years. It's a long time. I'm surprised I, I by that. I have
1: no memories of Valpo in the tournament 2015,
0: Scotty. <laughs> well, if you did, you'd be a sick and twisted person <laughs> that would love college basketball. Do you have a seed on that, a, Scotty? a little bit too much. 13 seed. 13 seed. 13. Okay. it's a Nine. high seed. Valpo? No, 13 seed is pretty good. Pretty good.
1: So we'll see if a mid-major team can get uh, into the uh, tournament.
0: Uh, it was a 13C. Want to ask you, and the answer is going to be probably not very much. And again, they don't have information. I understand that, but in general, Shane Steichen speaking with the media today. Anything you think interesting or, or anything worth asking? Well, is obviously this is the first time he's talked since we got the Jonathan Taylor news.
1: Yeah, you know, obviously what detail he has on Taylor, because again, the Jimmer say comments to the Athletic was uh, we are hoping two to three weeks on that. Um, again, I don't think injured reserve. Even if he is going to miss four weeks, like I don't think it's a must. I think you would hold out hope that hey, maybe there's a chance he could get back. Um, and I encourage people that missed the Will Carroll interview to go back to the podcast and listen to that after the show because I thought that was pretty enlightening on what that two to three week timetable looks like in Will's eyes, based off you know Steph Curry and Drew Brees and Mike Trout, some of these other hand injury guys. Now, again, the, you know the, those guys obviously play different sports, but. Um, still, that'll be something, um, I think, to watch. And then, you know, Juju Brents, you know, is is he back? And then, you know, honestly, as much as it is, you're curious about Ryan Kelly. Andy, I'm curious about Ryan Kelly, just him as a human. Yeah, where
0: he is as a person. Yeah, you know, I'm with For the second you.
1: time this year, it's he's suffered a concussion. He's come back and practiced and then has had a setback. Right, scary. And has not been able to make it all the way back in time to play in the game. Again, he suffered that concussion back in Germany. He obviously had the bye week in between that. He practiced last Wednesday, Thursday, didn't Friday, of course, did not play in the game. So those would be a couple items. We'll get more into this matchup, Colts-Titans, as Thursday and Friday get here. But Andy, it is such a contrast from what we saw in the first meeting. It's not Anthony Richardson versus Ryan Tannehill. It's Will Levis versus Gardner Minshew. Colts bullied Tennessee Mm -hmm. in that matchup. They ran it right at 190 yards in that game. Zach Moss had the big 60-yard touchdown run. It was Taylor's first game of the season. And then you stifled Henry. Henry was like three yards a carry. Now, of course, you had Grover Stewart then. You don't have him coming up on Sunday. And then Tennessee, you want to talk about Jekyll and Hyde. When's the last time you think an NFL team has entered the month of December and they've won four games at home undefeated and haven't <laughs> won a game away from home. That's Tennessee.
0: Yeah, and Tennessee even going back a couple weeks ago when the teams played, I mean, Tennessee season wasn't quote-unquote over. I mean, Tennessee season... Is it over. Is all but it over. Is I mean, all I but guess over. after right. a win, well, they could say, "Hey, if we win this one and we get on a run, who knows?" They're doing but, the quarterback thing. Let's see how Will Levis looks. Right. That's what their season. That's what we thought it was going to potentially be here. But with they Anthony didn't do Richardson. full
1: fire sale. It's still Hopkins who had a big game in the first matchup. You know, how does that look this time around? He hasn't had the same sort of production with Levis. So we'll break it all down. Thank you to Stephen Holder. Thank you to Will Carroll. Thank you to Tony East. Thank you to our listeners. We'll talk to you tomorrow.